Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Welcome, everyone. We have another podcast today. Very special guest, friend of mine, Chance Corneth. Chance, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yes, yeah, it's good. Long overdue. I'm, I'm glad you're on. I'm glad we both share interest in, in tournament poker. We share the love of PLO. And also, I just think we have a lot of, a lot of similarities in how we approach things. So excited to chat with you today. Uh, first of all, how, is, uh, how has the last few months been with COVID? Is it, uh, is it a, I mean, of course, in the poker world, it's if anything, the, the stuff's been juiced up, tournaments and whatnot. Have you, uh, have you been capitalizing, playing more? What, what's been your COVID experience um the first couple months i was like really focused on cash games until i wasn't allowed to play in particular groups anymore and you know so i would drive those wells and play and now i'm kind of uh focused on primarily you know playing tournaments on weekends and then working on chip leader coaching during the week very cool so of course you got the shirt on we mentioned it in the tweet tell us a little bit about what chip leader is and I, I see there's a few products we'll, we'll dive into that later and in, in depth on it but just give me a little bit of overview how did this come up what is chip leader coaching and when did it start um chip leader coaching started about three and a half years ago um it was founded by myself and john beaupre and uh it's basically just a was initially like a focus on one-on-one and group coaching and we still have that um you know focused on mtt training um but now we're focused more on like building um products for the masses so we can help more people um fox and i have been working on a, a product called chip leader ai for the last six months to a year um and we're really excited to you know to finish it it's going to be a product that uh people can basically like when they answer questions in the artificial intelligence engine it will feed them the correct like logical next step so we program like the order you're supposed to go through the questions and then based on like say you have a you know, single raise pots and three bet pots. And you're a master of like single raise pots. You like complete the, all of the progressions, but you can't seem to solve the three bet pots. Well, you'll still continue to progress deeper into the hand and single raise pots, but the engine will continue to feed you hands at like the lowest level of three betting until you master that so you can move forward. And so like one of the biggest problems with coaching today is that it's just like this sea of knowledge that you have to sift through um, to maybe find one good tidbit that will help your game. And so we're really focused on, you know, allowing poker players to critically think instead of just like, oh, here's the solver output, the solver does this. And people just kind of don't really know why they're doing anything. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Well, that's, it looks nice. The site looks very clean. You just sent this to me today. I'm, I'm very aware of chip leader coaching. I know some of the players you have, I guess you could say developed or gone through the system, very good results. And then of course, having yourself and Alex Foxen, who I believe is the number one GPI player or was, or he's always in that top, top echelon and, and puts a lot of volume in and nice to have him with your, with your stamp and, and be a part of that. So that's, uh, yeah. that's pretty he's- cool. He's doing an incredible number of explanations for every question that's in the engine. And then I'm kind of focused on just getting everything else to run smoothly and like ironing out the engine. So it really is like just a, a deep dive into Foxen's mind and all these hand histories. So it's pretty cool. Um, that's awesome. And, and how did, how did you, I don't want to say, give me, give me the Foxen story. Was Alex, did he approach you? Did you approach him? Were you guys friends all along? And give me a little bit of how much did chip leader, 
help develop his game in your opinion? Was he already like crushing and then this took him to a new level? Was he, was he already at the top and he's just been working and maintaining how, what's his dynamic with the, the program in your words? Yeah, I want to have Oxen on here as well and I'll hear <laughs> it from him, but I want to hear from you. Um, well, the meeting story was actually pretty funny. We didn't know each other and we were playing like a 500 or thousand dollar buy-in at the Venetian. And, uh, it was like me, Reg, Reg, Foxen. And I was in the six and he was in the nine. So I was like looking right at him. And, uh, I remember like he took like three cold four bet spots in like an orbit and a half. And it was at the time when we had like four, um, of our initial five chip leader coaching students. And we were looking for one more. And I saw this guy and like, I couldn't get a physical tell on him. And like, I loved like the spot if from a theoretical perspective was so good, but like looking at the opponent that three bet, I was like, this isn't going to work, man. But I don't know if you're strong or not. Like it's the third time in a row you have to have it this time. And I, I couldn't get a physical read on him. And, uh, he called four bets the last time before break again. And the guy tanks for a while and five bet shoves and he folds and I'm like, Hey, can you talk for a minute? And uh, I told him, I was like, Hey, I'm starting this like company and I think you have what it takes, but you're just missing like a couple of elements. And I would love to have you join with us. And uh, we quickly became friends and, you know, his results and work ethic and like, you know, obviously had a ton of skill before he joined CLC. Um, you know, it's just perfect timing and he's such a, a beast and a grinder that his results are just seen a lot more than others, I think. Well, so what year was that? Like how early? That was like three, four years ago then? 2016. Like, I think it was probably like November 2016 would be my guess. Okay. So, so to be you definitely it's fair to say that he's benefited and maybe you know he's he was just in that example alone but he he came in and he was doing well and and coming up the ranks quickly but this was you can't say necessarily you made it or it it caused him to be this but it definitely he he's been in for a while now so he's probably learned and adapted and maybe even taught you some yeah he's teaching me now for sure (laughs) i'm not even gonna try to pretend um but yeah i mean it that's cool. I mean, that, that's fun though. That's nice to to see it. And so he is, how, how involved is he with you? Like, how does that work then? Do you, are you the one doing, do you lead courses? What is Chip Leader coaching? If someone's watching right now, they want to sign up. How does, how does it work and what do you guys do? Is it, is it one, it's one-on-ones or is some more group focus now? Um, yeah, we have very few like one-on-one and group coaching is like, uh, like the coach on student element that Joe McKeon has. So it has to be like someone who's like grinding a lot and like, you know, it has to be like the perfect fit. But then like we're, we have a myriad of products ranging in price and uh, Foxen's involvement is helping me build those products. And I would say like, he's doing, you know, definitely his half of the work for chip leader AI. And then we're building another product called the closer that's reviewing his two Bellagio five diamond final tables. And, you know, so, he's doing at least half of both of those products and we're working a ton together. And, you know, obviously someone I really enjoy working with uh, just so much fun in general to talk poker with and, and listen to what he has to say about it. Right. Well, that's, that's awesome. So, all right. So listen, we got the, we will, I want to hit this at the end, talk a little more what this product, the artificial intelligence portion is, and we can go into chip layer coaching. Cause that is, unless you got to, you're wearing it on your shirt. That's what I think of when I think of chance is chip leader coaching. So I got, we got to cover it, but I want to know about chance. Tell me how you got started. Give me a little bit of your upbringing and, and then take me into your first poker experience. Uh, how did that get going? Um, well, I grew up in Colorado and my dad's side of the family always lived in Wisconsin and we would take a road trip there. It was, you know, 20 hours, my dad, my brother and I, um, and we would go drive to Northern Wisconsin every year for Christmas and Thanksgiving uh, hunting season. And, uh, the nightly activity was actually poker. 
and there was no check raises allowed, um, you know, and it was just like a friendly nickels, dimes and quarters. You save up your, you know, we would save up our change for the six months before the trip and be so excited to go play. Um, was that actually a rule? No check raises allowed? Or was that yeah, a yeah. It was like an official rule. And then once grandma died, I was like, God, and I was already a pro. I was like, guys, we got to take out this no check raising rule. Yeah, that's. I was gonna say that doesn't sound like your. That's not. That doesn't sound like your kind of game. So yeah, I was like, you. I don't know about this friendly shit, guys. I'm a professional now. Awesome. But there was one time where uh, I was probably like ten or eleven, and my uncle slow rolled me the last hand of the night, and I had lost all my change, and like I was like crying and sad, and I was like my own family. So like the Corneth joke was like my own family, and they'd all make fun of me even like once I won a bracelet and stuff. So it's always you know poker's kind of always been there for me. Um, and then I started, you were playing no limit. You that was the game you were playing back then. Or was it like five card? Like what was, Oh, it was, uh, like seven card stud, seven card pair sevens, win, seven card, you know, like all the different, like very, like baseball with like threes and nines wild. And if you get a four, you get an extra card. And like, it was just like, so, you know, just like the fun family game. Very cool. So, so it's in your, it's been in your, in your background. So do you kind of knew you were going to play like when it was, it was just all you were looking at it and you, you were up in the, uh, the times of poker or was it like, this is when I was in my, like, I was like, you know, eight to 14 or, you know, that's when it was like big to me or even younger probably. And like, I didn't really realize I was going to play until I started to pick it up in college, I would say junior year and just started to have some success, like qualified for like the nightly 163, Definitely wasn't a 162 back then. You know, they were getting that extra dollar. There's tax. And what, what's, what, what you, or what, uh, where'd you go to school? CU Boulder. Nice. Oh, fun and I had a few like friends that I got close to at the time and they were also, you know, striving to be poker players or at least like, you know, do it as a hobby. And we had like a grocery game. We joke about where, you know, where you go and win enough money for food for the week. And, you know, I, won a tournament for 20 grand and like it was summertime i took i had like 40 grand roll i took 35 of it to vegas and took it a shot um met ben lamb and he needed a roommate and i dropped out of college and moved to vegas and you moved with with who i moved in with ben lamb and we're actually neighbors now he lives six houses away oh wow so that's pretty sweet and you i look at this is this summer so this was july 2008 is that right Ah, uh, it's got to be. Is that it's the all those first in those week. Yep, in the Bellagio weeklies. I say I them like every time I played them, they were so soft. They were forty percent tournaments. It's crazy because every I think ninety eight percent now of my guests that are you know there's some live or some online guys streamers right that aren't live guys, but pretty much every guest that's a live tournament player or played tournaments, their first hen and mob is a final table, and looks like you went one, two, three, four in a row with three wins. Um, you know, pretty, yeah. pretty that was that was six tournaments too. That's crazy. I, I specifically remember that is a that's a hot start, and you uh, so you got right in there. And that's got to be nice. You get you get a final table, then you go win, win, win. Feels pretty easy. And, and at this point, were you playing a lot of cash, or was it just you got right into tournaments from the beginning? Um, back in the day, I was using Omaha PLO to uh, fund my tournament habit. You know, it's like you make on average one to two grand playing cash if I'd grind for six hours and play $500 or a thousand dollars worth of tournaments. And eventually when tournaments go your way, you have a bankroll. And so that's kind of was my strategy at the time. And I guess even, you know, today, if I'm ever rebuilding or something like that, I would say that I would grind PLO and tournaments. Mm -hmm. I just think it's like a better use of your overall hourly. Right. 
Yeah, it's fun though. It's fun. You got to mix it in. You got to have a little fun. You got to yeah. you got to have a spark. You got to have the shop for that uh that big you know six figure bank. And and I, I agree. I think it's it's a good good to have a bit of a mix and, and be dynamic. Why PLO? Are you what percent of your game now? Are you hold them in PLO? Are you uh, let's say cash games? Um, I mean, I work so much on triple year coaching stuff that I would say I play. Like for the first half of quarantine, it was probably like 80 to 90% PLO. And I would say now it's like 80 to 90% tournaments because I'm only playing on like Sundays. Yeah. And uh, so we battled some. What What is... Um... And some you don't know. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah, because I guess I'm party the... the when Yours is real. Yeah, yeah. They're moving to to the... The, the real names for the majority. Um, but I guess what you said, you, I think you said I beat you in a head, PLO heads up tournament. Heads up, yeah. It was a while ago. Though. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't remember. I, I, I'm sure we battled a fair amount, but uh, hopefully coming up, there's a lot of stuff going on and, and with the big series across the sites in yep. the next few weeks, gearing up for, for a big push. What is uh? what do you think PLO? Why do you feel you, do you think people play fundamentally worse have you, you've just put more yeah. time, you like it more. Yeah, you just sign like bigger fish. Um, and also like the no limit, like regulars, it's just so much more salt as far as cash games. Um, I don't find the game and like the skill tree that's involved as interesting. Um, and it also like mirrors the no limit cash or the no limit tournaments I play. So, you know, it really is nice to have to play PLO sometimes and mix it up and mm-hmm. just to have the variety. Right. Yeah, that 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 I agree. I think PLO. I personally, I love PLO cash, and I play no limit tournaments. I mean, I'll play PLO tournaments as well. There's usually not as big fields or big prizes, and it's uh, it's a little little bit different. But it does seem that there was just a big PLO series on on uh, party poker. They had some big buy-ins and looked like it went pretty well overall. Yeah. Uh, what do you typically think about PLO versus no limit hold'em tournaments in terms of ability? Does it seem how would you rate that like in terms of skill level and and um. I feel like, like me personally, I've noticed that my results in PLO tournaments have been good um, since they've added the Annie. Um, like, depending on like the like the bubble stage in PLO tournaments is like absolutely insane because you don't have fold equity with your eight big blinds, right? So if I'm a chip leader, I'm with sixty big blinds, and I pot it, and you have eight big blinds, and you have bad like you know mediocre aces. If there's some guy with two big blinds, you have to fold aces preflop. And so like the bubble dynamic and the amount of chips that you can pick up or like, you know, finding fold equity with your short stack. Like I really do enjoy the, the intricacies of PLO short stack tournament play, which is like, it's just such, you know, and it really is that critical thinking you have to look at for every decision because it's like, there's no solver for this spot. It's like, all right, like, yeah, the solver says 3.5 X is optimal, but I'm going to raise 2.5 X because then I have more fold equity, like in this situation, or I can call it three bit more profitably. And like the, the tree is just, you know, much more intuitive in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun game. Uh, lo- looking at this WSOP, no WSOP this summer, things have shifted to online. What, what, uh, what is going to, how does that for you? I mean, how many years have you been in the WSOP in a row? Probably it's got to be about me, right? Just since you were 21, probably every year. Go back to that tab you were on. <laughs> yeah, I guess 2008 you were there, but it doesn't look like you were. All right, so I remember actually 2008, I played a 1000, I played one tournament. It was WSOP. It was a 1K satellite to the 10K main. Mm-hmm. And I remember my bust out hand. <laughs> it, was a, it was an ugly one. I like, I think I just raised or shoved and got it in pre-first ace-king suited with aces, and he just flopped a flush. Oh, shit. And it was like I, – I, I was probably like 80% to satellite in if I – and it was like my first trip to Vegas, like playing the main event, I like didn't even consider it. 
I like only jumped in the satellite that day because Ben the day before was like, "Hey, you're gonna do this," and I'm like, uh, "I hadn't even thought about that." Right. So that, yeah. that's a that's a tough intro to the WSOP, but it's gone well from yeah. there. You have won a bracelet. You've had a lot of success. Uh, you didn't have to wait long. So this was 2000. You know, I guess 2009. Your first WSOP cash really you got in there. You played. Uh, yeah, I think 2008 yeah. must have been the 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 first WSOP 1K satellite. 2009, I you know learned a little bit. Right. And then no waiting though. 2010, 5K PLO. I think these were when they were juiced up to a pretty pretty big field. 465K. Uh you you get it, you take it down. What was that like to to be there all of a sudden playing for a bracelet? Was there were you chip leader? What was your ride to to win that one? Um I was kind of like in the middle of the like I would say like the top 20 to 40% of the field the whole time. And then there was this one situation where like I thought Eric Liu was by far the most competent player at the table and he three bet and I had like a pretty mediocre holding. I had like King Queen Jack five or something with a double suited or no single suited. And I called pre because like, I thought if I busted him this hand, like and it was pretty clear spot where he had aces a lot. Yeah. I was like, if I bust him, I think I'm going to win this tournament, like a huge percentage. And so like the, the chip EV of me calling his three bet was probably quite low, but the, 20 or you know percent of the time that i busted him my tournament equity just went through the roof and i got lucky and flopped like a, a rap against his top set and ended up stacking him and that was it wow and when you say 20 percent, you mean because first of all it's obviously the equities giving its aces you're going to be better than that but just the fact of actually you you beating him and he's stacking off on a board definitely. yeah well even if the spr is 1.5 like i still only get to get it in x percentage of the time and then i win y percentage of the time so my guesstimate is that he bust about 20 percent, but you know i'm just kind of yeah. guessing so so you get there you get some chips and then what was that how 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 nice did that feel i mean the money was obviously 500k it's a massive yeah. score i don't know if you have do you, do you sell pieces do you, do you swap do you have 100 um, in that particular tournament um you know i was still super new i swapped like five percent with like ben lamb and sean deeb and i think like six people i'm pretty sure i remember giving out Six twenty-five Ks, if I had to guess. Okay, so you do, but it's still a massive boost. Is this was this significant in terms of bankroll at the time? Yeah, I think I probably had like a hundred to two hundred grand, and then now I had three hundred more, <laughs> three hundred and fifty more. So it was pretty huge at the time. Yeah, big, 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 uh, big, big jump there. So what, what was it like when you? How how did it feel when you won? Was it, I mean, it must be top of the world, right? I've uh, you oh know, yeah. Your family like knows you like poker. It's like, all right, look, mom, look, dad. I'm not just you know doing this for fun. I got real money. I mean, they must be blown away. What was was it? Was your ego inflated? Did you handle it well? Did you do anything silly afterward, or, or what was it like following up afterward with what you were doing? Um, I bankroll game selections. Like, did I was you- so excited to play the 10k PLO the next day that I went home and we smoked some blunts and like you know I couldn't fall asleep till like eight in the morning or something. I was just like high on life. And, but it was like the moment. So like I called a three bet, um, I flopped a pair and a gut shot. Um, it's just like a standard get in an appeal spot heads up and the turn was my pair. So I was 95% to win this bracelet and like all my fans like run up and they're like starting to cheer. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. And like the second the river was a brick, like grab the bracelet off the table and all your friends lift you up. And like back in the day, they used to have like the ESPN 360 cam. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere there's footage, you can actually see like everyone like coming in and all your friends picking you up. And like, you know, there's no doubt that at the time that was the best moment of my life. And like, it was just like so special and cool. That's awesome. And talk to me about your 
now a wife, correct? Or you, you, you are married. When was she in the picture at this point? How did you meet and, and how long have you guys been together? Um, we've been like together for seven or eight years now. So she was not in the picture at this point. Okay. Um, but we actually met in the same building at the Rio, uh, which is pretty funny. Oh, wow. Um, she was on break from dealing a tournament. I was on break from playing and she was talking to a mutual friend and I was like, I'm going to go say hi to my friend, see if I can get introduced. And, uh, we've pretty much been inseparable ever since. Wow. So just like that. Yeah. I know Antonio met Amal, his wife at the Rio as well. There's so, you know, magic in, in Nevada, whether it's Burning Man or the Rio, it's, it's special. There's something about that Nevada, <laughs> Nevada air. It's good. Um, so, okay. How is, uh, how, how has that been the transition? So being, being married and she obviously understands poker. She's, she's dealt poker. She, so she, she can relate. You guys talk poker. Does she actually play? Does she under, she knows the game. I'm sure. She knows the game and she'll play, play some small tournaments, some WSOP. And sometimes like I'll, I'll make her play. Uh, I make her play the bracelet events um, because she's a lot better than she says. Um, like if I'm around, she'll ask too many questions because she doesn't want to critically think. But if I'm not there, like she'll definitely like play pretty well, I think. And like there's a trophy. The blue one in the corner up there is actually hers. And I wasn't there at all. So wow. I mean, there you she go. Does it's going on a little bit. You got to give her. She's got a picture in the back. Your nice setup background there, but we're, we got to give her. I think her trophy needs a little better placement on the. Uh, the oh yeah. You know, well, she gives me this book every year for my birthday. It has like all the pictures of stuff in it. Wow. Like, from yeah. our very nice. Well, that so that's very cool. So she's supportive. I take it. There's no uh, no arguments. I mean, poker's interesting because you know having a, a serious relationship, whether you're girlfriend, engaged, or married, um, it, it's. It's good because it's freedom of schedule, but there's also some you know late nights and different things. How, how do you work and balance time in a relationship with poker? Like, how, how do you find a good balance there? Horribly. <laughs> As in, not enough with poker, not enough with more time you wish you spent with her, or um, balance has always been a very difficult thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of jump you know, head first in whatever I'm doing. So like the beginning of quarantine, it was all about playing these PLO cash games on poker bros because my hourly was so high at the time. Um, and then it was something else. And then like, I would take a break from poker and it would only be, you know, family and wife time. And I would feel like I'm neglecting work. And like, so for me, it's like, I, I actually struggle to find, it's like, all right, I wish I had two hours for Emily and I eight hours for this and four hours for this, but I'm like kind of bad at balance. Like I'll just work, 16 hours on chip leader AI one day and then 16 hours on poker the next and then take a trip with Emily, you know? And so like, I've always kind of struggled with that and it is something that I'd like to improve on. Um, but it's something that I, I have gotten a little bit better with over time. So hopefully that continues. Yeah. How do you balance it? it it's hard. You know, I, I have a, my son's running around. It's uh, it's busy. It's, it's the same thing. You know, I know I respect so much the people in poker and people I, I really try to, that I, I gear towards on the podcast, I really respect and am interested in others that sort of take the business aspect and, and dive in, whether it's Twitch, having a YouTube channel, uh, producing content, having a podcast, having a coaching platform. I just find it very interesting um, because I, I respect it. And I know that a lot of poker players just want to play. You know, it's like, yeah, that's what I'm best at, to be honest, is just playing. It, yeah, it's, it's great. And then it's like you find something you're passionate about. You get kind of a business. You get started. You get excited. You know, you move. And, and it just it, – it's interesting. To me, I love it. So I, 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 was, you know, I put you in that small group of sort of uh, entrepreneurial, motivated, discipline 
people that without even knowing you super well, I just, you know, I, I know what it takes to, to sort of dive in and, and hone in. And it's not easy to, to build a business, have a relationship, play poker, study poker. You know, it's not, it's not lazy. You're probably not watching too much Netflix and, uh, and hanging out too much, you know, like maybe <laughs> get your Netflix in, but yeah, you know I mean, I mean? Got to watch a couple hours of Netflix after you, yeah. you know what I mean? I, so I, I appreciate and I respect when someone's able to really just not say all, oh, cause I have a lot of people tell me I'm going to do Twitch. I think actually you've, you stream some, I don't know how much yeah, you've done. I streamed a, like a full series that was scooper W coop and party poker series, maybe two years ago, three years ago, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, I, I I think we we spoke. I believe you actually reached out to me. I, I can't remember. It was maybe it was a while ago, and I remember you got on there. And because you know, a lot of people, even they just they say they want to do it or they're gonna they want to try it, and then they never try. Or it's hard. Mine had a lot to those who play because, like, for me, it took me a long time to realize in poker that like my decision making ability when I'm like 100 percent focused versus when I'm a little bit distracted, say talking to Twitch, um, is just not the same. Um, and like, I know that I have a fragile mind and I make a ton of mistakes. So someone who's able to like interact, like you interact, you know, among the best, obviously. And the fact that you're able to still make good poker decisions while doing that is, is very difficult to me. Like I have like signs up on my screen as like mental reminders and like, I mean, it's, yeah. you gotta do whatever works for you. I, I, I would, I, I was curious how many tables, cause I asked this to the guy, what do you, if people have had Twitch experience, what do you think it equates in terms of tables played? If you're streaming on Twitch, say you say you're just playing, add how many tables to like your the equation of what, what you're doing. Oh, see, I would say each table is just like double weight. You just so whatever, whatever it is, two X, like if you have five. Yeah, kind of, because like you're, you're commenting so much more on the actions. Yeah. And like, so if you have eight tables, you can't just say Twitch is one more table because it's a little bit more for each one. Yeah, I think that that's that's fair. Um, it's definitely tricky. How many tables? How many tables do you like to play? What's your optimal grind for for online? When I was doing Twitch, it was six. Like I, you know, I had six little hotkeys that switched between the six, which I'm sure you have. Um, but when I'm playing otherwise, like I went on a big tournament downswing in like the beginning of quarantine, and I realized that I was just playing too many tables and autopiloting. I probably lost like 400 straight. Um, but then since I got down under 12 tables and I've been like kind of staying at 10 max, like eight to 10, um, I've, you know, won 400 back since then. So, you know, and I, I was running really bad and it was actually kind of difficult, you know, just like any poker player to like, I was like, Oh, I'm running bad. And I was like, well, I'm probably doing some other stuff bad too. And like, I, you know, focused and I was not really fighting for pots. I was just autopiloting and check folding. And like, I wasn't battling. I was under C betting and, like when I started to play well again, I was picking up so many pots without showdowns and bad cards. That I was like, wow, like how bad was I actually playing to go on this downswing? So, you know, it's, it's hard to see when you're in the moment of like running bad and getting crushed because you just notice, oh, I got up to three starting sacks and then I lost Queens to Jacks. Like you don't realize that, you know, how many other mistakes you make when the variance is not on your side. Yes, this is fascinating to me, and and I've definitely gone through bad bad spells just as any player goes on downswings, whether you're the number one player in the world, or or just you know whatever. But that is, I think that's the the most thing that amateur players or people that aren't really understanding, even some great professionals probably don't even realize it like that because it's usually not your last hand, and it's so many other spots. The blind on blinds. It's the, like you had fifteen big blinds because you didn't steal a pot when you should have had twenty two, so you three bet shoved when you should have called pre or like, you know, so your bust frequency is now 25% instead of zero. Right. You, you, these are, these are 
these are the things that you just you, you need to understand as a professional or as someone that's trying to work on their game. These are the spots. I'm sure Chip Leader Coaching covers it. These are things that are, can really help you, and it's something can click because you, you just think you're doing things right. And if you fold down to 7, 8, 10, 12 lines, and then you lose ace, king, ace, queen, like, you know, that's not really – you didn't run bad, really. Like, that's just yeah. uh, what's going to happen. That's math. 70 30s and 65 50-50s. Um, it is, uh, it's, a, it's a big lesson. I think it's also why it's important. Sometimes you got to take those spots for 20, 30 blinds with fives and fours and jam on the cutoff open because you're going to pick it up most of the time. You're going to be 80 20 once in a while and get there. Uh, and you're also just going to win a flip. So, like, these are things that. Just, just, just like little things can make a big difference in in, a, in someone's game, and um, you gotta be honest with yourself. What do you find with what your work and in, in coaching? What is one of the biggest things, biggest aha moments for players that are just sort of amateur or just to turn the corner? What's something that you notice they they really need that they're just missing, just point blank? They act too quickly. The same problem I had during my downswing and like I was playing too many tables. And so it's like the pressure from your other beeps required me to like click fold in a spot that was a three bet or click check in a spot where I should have bet first missed on the turn. Um, and so for me, like I actually have mental reminders on my screen and when I'm playing that tells me to slow down, to take my time. Um, because for me, if I'm taking my time, like I already want to win the hand. And if I'm going to take like five extra seconds, I'm actually going to think about what I want to do to win the hand. But if I'm just like autopiloting, I'm going to miss so many of those spots in fold. Um, so taking your time is actually one of the biggest things. And and by taking time, though, obviously this is on decisions. So like you're auto folding, clicking, you know, online, you're playing six, eight tables. You're yeah, it's so important to auto fold quickly because otherwise you're going to waste your time. You're thinking time on those hands when you need to be critically thinking on the others. Do you have any other multi-table tricks? Any any type of ordering or coloring of tables? Like what 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 kind of stuff you can do? You put the buy-ins in, in order. It looks like you got chance. Share some. Of this. Yeah, so I have two monitors, and so I might, like five Ks and ten Ks will be like right in the middle. Yeah, because my focus point will be in in there for the most part. Um, if I'm on the bubble or in a satellite, I change the background to red to remind myself to stall or to play slightly different, like kind of like a stoplight. Um, I think the color coding noting system is really important. Like for me, the overly aggressive players are red and also like a stoplight. Like, hey, <laughs> slow down. Like this guy's on your left. Probably shouldn't raise that shit. The ace four up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just going to three bet you with, you know, 40% of hands. Or, you know, if some guy's a knit, I have him as a certain color as a reminder to raise his big blind more. Um, you know, so like I think that taking really good notes, especially now that, you know, certain sites don't have HUDs and stuff like that, is just insanely valuable. Am I am I red or am I am I orange for 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 nuts? Do you got me as a as an aggro guy or, or where am I on this spectrum? You're, you're just my red color. Good, good. Stay away. Um, okay. You haven't so, enough bluffs yet for me to uh, change it to the red dot. Fair enough. I'm I'm working on it. That's what that's what if I ever you know if I enroll in chip leader coaching that that's uh, I'm sure we could I'm sure you'd have fun. I'm probably the most fun player you could have, right? Like someone that. I would love your image. I just, that'd be so much fun. That's what I'm saying. Like I, you could really like, you could, you know, you could put me out there and, and, uh, and probably capitalize. So that's what we've talked about. Well, we'll see. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been learning a few things, but I, I could definitely. You're not playing the same as you did six months ago. That's one thing I've noticed. Yeah. We'll say it again. You're not, you don't play the same, like identically as you did six months ago. You've added some new tricks. There's something you got to, you got to adapt, but we're, we're, yeah, we're, 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 we're going to, we're going to keep turning it up. Uh, let's go, let's go, let's scroll through a bit more of your, 
uh, illustrious, the, the live poker career. So you hit the, the 500K. So you're playing, you're doing some things, cash games, whatever, kind of trucking along. You get a WPT, uh, let's see, 2014, pretty good score there at the uh, Hard Rock, of course. Great, great venue. It's, it's my favorite to them. Actually, my, my largest score also at the Hard Rock. It's, a, it's, it's just a nice place. The new guitar is incredible. I don't know if you've been down there. Yeah, yeah. that was like, that helped me upgrade Emily's engagement ring. That was right before we got engaged. She's running good. That's good. And then, yeah. and then just in case, so you hit the 2014 in April and then you come in and bang the Bellagio cup 10 K. What was that? How was that? That's a nice, uh, that's a nice 10 K score. Some I mean, that's like the coolest tournament to win because like you just brick a whole summer and then you actually can still win money. You're like, Oh my God. Like, and that tournament is tough. Like it's one of the softest tournaments ever on day one. And then one of the most difficult tournaments ever on day four and five. Right. And so that felt pretty darn good to win. It was not, not easy. And, and at what point, so you said November, the, had chip leader coaching started yet or not in Fort Knott's? No, for not 14 yet. You hadn't started doing any of that. So what actually was, what was like your, when did you decide? What was like, what came up where you're like, I should do a coaching thing? Did you see some other coaches? You're about to get to it on the Hendon Mob, actually. All right, let's, let's go through. It looks like we're getting maybe the Bahamas. So I see a big score lurking there, 2014. Uh, you got third here in the Caribbean for a nice score. This one? Um, so it was the 2016 heat, I guess you could say. Um, so in 2016, I did like really well in like three 25 Ks in a row in the 10 K and like just had a really big year. And I was actually in the top five in the like player of the year and stuff like that for quite a while. And, uh, John, my business partner was like, Hey man, like you got to strike while the iron's hot. Like we should start a company like a poker training company. And, uh, and we did, uh, we didn't even have a name at the time. We didn't really have a structure and he had the idea of coaching for profit, um, which is kind of the one-on-one group coaching that we've done before. Um, but you know, we've had some issues with that. Um, and you know, now we just want to kind of expand to building products and being able to help more people. And we're still going to do the one-on-one group coaching, but just with a lower frequency. Yeah, I'm looking over here at this 2016. So you you start out the year pretty nice. You go over to Australia uh, and you just get get actually well no you you start out the year in Bahamas and you had a nice you know decent score probably some other binds in there whether it was a good great trip or okay trip. Uh, oh, no, no, those are like the only two tournaments I played. So a good trip, and then you come over and, and run to Australia and just knock out that. What was that? So that was a 25K. Had you been playing a lot of 25Ks, or when did you start moving up from 10Ks? I mean, I think my first was like – I think that might have been like the first. The first? Well, one of oh, – so well, the Bahamas, because then you – the Bahamas, and then you, you had – Yeah, I played 100K and bricked it somewhere before this as well. But, like, then I just went on, like, a huge like, heater in this uh, – in the 25Ks for, like, three in a row. So – how much too do you believe? Because you pride yourself on live reads, which you know I've, I've heard people kind of not make fun of you, but like kind of laugh almost like it's silly. How can you, you know, really? Do you believe that? So, could you touch a little bit on on the live read ability? Because obviously, I, I mean, I would. There's no question you're you are strong at it. Like you, you definitely like take that very seriously. What does that mean to you? And what do you think? Is it more just focus your phones away? What what gives you the ability in your mind to? really hone in on live reads and, and capitalize like what is just being intuitive, paying attention a lot or what? Um, it's something I've been into for a really long time. Um, like just the concept of like, you know, I just used to make these, and I still do um, these horrible four bet shoves and like the guy would go into the tank and look at you 
And I would just be like, and he would call and I would bust or whatever. Um, and I would be like, what could I have done physically to get him to fold? Or I should have known he was strong because of X. And so like, I've, you know, a lot of product research <laughs> on this particular uh, topic and a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. and, you know, so many spaz shoves and, you know, early 2010 and so on then that I was just learning so much about, all right, well, I should have known that guy was strong. I should have known that guy was weak. And, uh, you know, I studied tons of different content as well, um, to give myself like baselines and really to like know what to look for. Um, I've watched like TV series regarding it, like the Navarro stuff, the Mike Caro stuff, uh, you know, just like studying in so many different like lifestyle categories. Um, but then you can know all that. And like you said, no phone, focus like if you don't have that then it doesn't matter what you know you're not going to get it um live tells takes a hyper extreme focus and as you know um, a lot of people that play tournaments especially live they're not there to win like they're just there to be on their phone and hope to get lucky while you know fox and i like we are there to try to win the fucking tournament every hand. And that's what people don't realize is like, I just, cause I folded. Yeah. Twitter might be fun, but you might miss out on a live tell that someone's about to give off right now that you can baseline. It might help you four hours from now and it might be a huge spot. And so the compounding value of everything that you learn by focusing and actually paying attention and having your phone in airplane mode is insane. And that's where most professional poker players lack. Yeah. On day four, they're focused, but they don't get there that often because on day one, two, and three, they're just in their phone and they don't take the tournament seriously. And I'm guilty of this as well. You know, it's like, it's easy to say. I'm definitely guilty. And I I think that 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 was a real realization I had with Elliot Rowe. I don't know. Do you use any mental preparation coaches or or things you meditate before you start? Do you have a routine? Yeah. Tech leader coaching is releasing optimize your mind in a few weeks. Um, It's those are my mental coaches and uh, Dion and Matt. um, They're phenomenal. And yeah, but Elliot is really good as well. So that was something I kind of had a, my first losing world series was uh, for tournaments. I had like 10 years or something in a row winning overall. I, I had some really good finishes, final tables. And then in like 2017, 2018, I had losing world series for the first time. And I'm like, man, I've been working on my game. I've been, I think I've gotten a lot better. Of course there's variants. Of course there's other factors, but like I started really thinking about what changed. I was like, Oh, I started a YouTube vlogging in summer, the start of 2017. I started coming to tournaments very late. I was doing a lot of video stuff. I was just, you know, same thing. I would come late and I'd, I'd lose, get it in good most of the time or in a decent spot, but I'd come four hours late to these 1Ks or 1500s or 2500s. And then I would have 20 blinds or 15 blinds. I lose like a trivial hand and get it in good or bad or flipping and I'd be out a lot or I just never really had second. And I remember looking like another World Series, I would be there at start, the, the first one there, yeah. or right at the beginning, build a stack. Play against the positive variance it takes when you late reg to build a stack and go deep is so like so much yeah. higher. So I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, I'm doing these YouTube vlogs. It's like I'm distracted even in those hands. I'm already I'm on social. I'm putting up Instagram, putting up stories. I'm doing my vlog. I'm in between hands walking over. I'm, I'm just like like there, I just was not in a like di- like my priority. And then I started looking at it and Elliot was like, look, but you got to be honest though. Like what? It's okay. It's really important to be aware of it, right? Like you're saying, there's times you go in there, you're in that killer mindset. There's times where you're working on your developing your product, probably chip leader coaching. You got other stuff going on and you just know you're not going to be hundred percent, but that's like, that's part of a formula. At least you're aware of it when you're there and you're just kind of naive to why maybe you're not having great results. Or if you're not hundred percent in, that's a problem. If you go in there and you consciously say, all right, I'm going to go play this tournament today. 
I know I'm going to be on my phone. I'm not at my absolute best. But even then, it might make more sense. You know, like a lot of times I would come four or five hours late or three hours late. Still, I should probably just come early. I could be on my phone and be better than being late. At least yeah, it is like a balance. If you yeah. want to do homework, sit there and knit for two hours in the early levels and sit on your phone. And Yeah, so it's just interesting. Yeah, like but these are things that- you're going to catch like the low-hanging fruit and people will punk to you. Right. Like, you're, hey, you're, you come in there and get in there and you have SPR of zillion and you just you go in <laughs> and the guy's got aces and you flop two pair and you just get them. But like – um, you know, whatever. So it's interesting, but these are, SPR of Azillion. yeah, there, there's, there's a, there is definitely something to that. And I think again, the game's gotten tougher. There's solvers, even though live poker seemed to be thriving pre COVID, you know, I don't know how, what your experience is. I, from what I could see that the numbers were up, the venues are up world poker tour expanding WSOP expanding circuits. You know, things were, were going really, really big for live. Yeah, poker. I thought we were pretty healthy. Yeah, it looked good. Uh, it's 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 TBD. Who knows what's going to happen now? But that's uh, it, it's tougher. So it's like when you get down to these final twenty third in, in these fields, like you are probably noticing tougher opponents, right? So it's like you you it is a sport. You got to be do the little things. It makes a big difference. And and if you really want to separate yourself, um, what uh what have you I'm sorry, have you won a WPT or have you got are you at a final table that's pending? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, um, I've not won one yet. I think my only WPT final table before this Gardens one that's pending was the Florida one that you touched on. Um, I am the chip leader with six left at the 10K Gardens final table. Wow! Yeah, we have foreign passport holders that aren't allowed back to the U.S., so they've just been holding our money for six months. And like my EV is three fifty, they've given us a hundred. So like theoretically, they just have two fifty of mine sitting interest free in an account. Wow. That's not counting skill edge, which I think I have a good one at this final table. So it's like, uh, it's tough. What is, what is your, what is the, does that show on there on Hendon Mob now or no, it's not, yeah, it doesn't pending then. I don't think so. I guess it doesn't, right? It makes sense because they don't know what, uh, well, I guess it could, yeah, they'd have to put like the minimum payout or something, but so, so that's, uh, that is very interesting. And how is that? Like, what is your opinion on that? It's sort of like November 9 type thing they're doing. So for, for someone like yourself, who's a comp, very, yeah, <laughs> it gives players the opportunity to study, prepare, talk to people, hire a coach or whatever. So like, like say me and another guy at the table both study 10 hours. There is no way that we're going to improve the same amount. Right. Like, you know, unless they're already a pretty high level professional, which fortunately I, there's not very many, many of at the table on that. Um, like, they're just going to improve infinitely more than if I were to study for 10 hours. And so it's really unfortunate. Because they're, they're, yeah. a guy, someone like that you're mentioning, they literally may not know like 10 to 30 blind poker, what to shove or call or anything. And like they could in 10 hours, they could relatively have a decent understanding now of that, where that may just yeah. be, they have no idea. Like Fortunately, not. we as humans are lazy. Um, I don't think they'll study. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone will. Um, I mean, I've studied a little bit because there was a specific section of my game that I thought was weak that I wanted to touch on before, but that, you know, took me a couple hours. Yeah. And, but like playing and making other final tables is, well, it's like there was a position where my, my shove, shove spots were off by a pip or two and I just really wanted to brush up on them for the final table. And do you have that within your program or do you use ICMIs or what kind of stuff are you doing for that to brush up? Um, Typically, I ask someone that works inside of CLC to run spots for me. It cut out for a sec. Say it again. 
Um, I'm very fortunate. Like in CLC, we have a couple of guys that if I'm like, all right, I want to see this 12 big blind plus one six handed with this anti size and they'll just give me the outputs. Um, and so they use, you know, and ICMizer and stuff like that. Very cool. Uh, all right. So I, I don't want to, sp- I, the, the tournament stuff. So we look back. So you said that's when you're, that's when you, uh, the chip leader coaching came to fruition. That was in that time, 2016, your part, your friend. Yeah. Late 2016. So he's like, just looking, you're crushing. People want to hear from you. Like you could capitalize he coaching for a, a, a PLO cash coaching for profit group. And he was like, dude, no one does this for tournaments. You should try it or we should do it. And it just wasn't as like scalable as we wanted. We had a lot of people join CLC, not pay their bills, um, say they were going to play a lot and then not play at all, which when you're taking a percentage of caches that we're just not getting paid to coach these guys. And right. so that's why we've kind of revamped the system so much. And don't get me wrong, the, the, the one-on-one in-group coaching students that we still have are fantastic. Right. Um, Joe McKeon is still coaching those guys. And I think that they're, you know, learning a ton. Um, the problem is the number of people willing to lie because they wanted to get in a group. Interesting. Uh, and so you're, to talk, go through your core again, Alex Fox and Joe McKeon, who else is in your program? Um, when we were doing the coaching, it was like Ryan the Plant, Ryan Lang, Simon Dedman, and Daniel Strelitz in no particular order. Um, and now that we are kind of focusing, everyone else is, um, obviously Ryan went off on his own. Uh, uh, Ryan Lang is working on a really cool short stack product for us. Um, all the other coaches, you know, have some topics that they're mulling over and considering doing. Joe's still focused on the, the coaching for profit section and uh, Fox and I are building these flagship products for the company. Very nice. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a great group. How, get, tell me a bit about Joe McKeon. Just uh, you, you work closer with him. Cause he just seems like such a surprisingly personable individual. Yeah. I, I like, his, I like, I've liked my interactions. He just, he see, he has this aura about him, this way of um, being that, you know, I've, I've seen rub people the wrong way at times at the table, but like, I think he's just so competitive. I feel like, and why he just like is so talented at poker that it's like almost like he literally, he's like a, a dumbed down Helmut in my, in my way. Like he doesn't say it, but I can feel it. Like he just, it's like, he really believes he should never lose a hand kind of like, or he knows the right, you know what I'm saying? And not yeah, in a bad way. His iPad just like rolling his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like that. I get that kind of, uh, but to be fair, and I, I haven't paid attention closely because I haven't been playing as much live poker and I usually try to keep an eye on who's doing well, but I've seen him in just so many WPT updates. Or, he may or, be one of the best large field no limit tournament players there is. Yeah, like he, I'll look at his hand in my I see his stuff, or I'll look at WPT updates like 18 left, 14 left, 12 left. WPT is just like yeah. there, there, wins this. It's like always deep and, and cr- it seems to have chips. I mean, it's very impressive. Yeah, um, and that's actually been my favorite part of like chip leader coaching is the ability to learn from all of those guys I just mentioned. And like right now, I'm at the stage for the chip leader AI where I'm actually going through and doing like a quality control on all of the explanations that Foxen wrote. And so I get to go through thousands of his written, like handwritten, not handwritten, uh, typed like responses to these questions that I've inserted. And so like, I've noticed myself improving so much in the last uh, couple of months, just because I get to read all of those answers from him. So surrounding yourself with great poker players is, you know, it's one of the huge benefits of doing a company like this. Yes. The, the, there's no question. It's uh, it's a treat to have a, a good people in, in your, so I don't really have to ask who's your, your core group because it, it sort of, it seems obvious who your, you know, your friends are and who you, you have and you trust with your, your product. So um, yeah, that, that's, that's really fun. I wanted to ask about the, 
what you believe the online poker landscape is like. So right now we got massive things happening. Obviously, WSOP online coming. We got World Poker Tour part uh, on Party Poker, hundred million guaranteed. I'm I'm with Party Poker. I'm over the moon about this. I'm really looking forward. I know the guarantees are good. They got Omaha Hello. They have Omaha. They're giving away like all these different things. It's it's exciting. What are you most excited about? And how will you split your time? with these series uh, coming up, but with these online, bra- like, I mean, either they're giving away bracelets and they're giving away WPT titles. What is the line? What is the bet you guys have on, on this? Uh, um, I'm getting four to one on 250 K. So his million, yeah. How do you get four to one? You wait until none of the other coaches take a deal. He increases the odds and then you snap call. <laughs> I mean, so what do you think the true odds are in your mind? Um, I think I'm probably a three to one Doug. Okay. So you do feel he's got a, I mean, just in this format, right? Like in, in heads up poker, he's just played more. You're, you're less familiar or what, just because um, best. what, what is, what is, uh, oh, I'm actually studying and playing a ton, um, screenshotting every spot. I have a question on having people around the spots for me, um, figuring out what board textures and sizings I want to do in different situations and how I want to build my ranges. And, uh, you know, maybe he's not a three to one favorite, but I think it'd be incredibly egotistical of me to, you know, to say it's even money. Um, obviously he's played a ton and, but we actually have kind of similar styles. Um, you know, it's knowing what the solvers say, but then also being in the moment and knowing what your opponent is, if he's going to call wider here or call tighter here, um, you know, we're humans, it's very difficult to just play GTO. And so when you can have that like leveling war or like rock, paper, scissors battle, if you will, um, it's just, so much fun and like i kind of think of it as like a flow wizard thing where it's like all right well phil knows that he's been under bluffing this spot so is he going to continue to under bluff or is he going to start over bluffing here and it's one of my favorite aspects and i've actually battled two tables heads up plo tons versus people um and you know it's long ago enough or on sites where it wasn't a chance-based screen name that i don't think people know how much heads up plo i played and so I, I'm really excited to play. I'm not excited for it taking eight weeks like it probably will. Um, but we have set a start time. Um, we are going to begin September 16th, plus or minus a day. Um, but if it doesn't start that week, then we have a 5K penalty at either player. And so it, we believe that it will start September 16th. Makes sense. He's he's taken a lot of these on. I, I mean, the, there's some, I think, you know, Jungle Man... I don't know what's going on. He actually, Jungle Man streamed on my Twitch account uh, for the first match. And then obviously, yeah, it was, he's, oh man, he's great. Special. But that was, uh, you know, who knows what, um, you know, Jungle's in a little bit of a, a controversy at the moment. Uh, I don't know what's going on with that. He's got the one with Bill Perkins. He did the Vinaviti, which was like a storybook, almost looks scripted, right? It was too insane. Like, it's just the most ridiculous thing of all time. Right? I had many people text me and ask me if this was rigged. And I'm like, because especially not knowing who Vinny Vitti was from their perspective. And I had already like spoken with Vinny Vitti, especially when he was up 900, taking a break. I was like, Hey, maybe we should talk about uh, you doing a little coaching for me after this. Right. Uh, and so I had already known that he was a real person, but I and spoken with him, but I can imagine people who don't know he's real thinking this is just rigged. Like there's no way that. No, no. I mean, he's definitely real. That's what I'm saying. Like almost like it was scripted to, no, I'm not even implying that. I, was, no, I mean, it was so special that people were like texting me this ridiculous, these ridiculous questions. That's what right. I was like. 
No, I mean, it was like, it couldn't have been more of a publicity and, and exciting how it went down. And the whole thing was pretty, pretty epic. One of the definitely a moment of the year uh, people will remember. I don't even know if it's this year now, the year blends together. How I don't know when that was. It's time is uh, just sort of going during 2020, but, um, but yeah, so that'll be exciting. That's something, I mean, it's gotta be fun though, too, cause that's going to be good. It's good for your brand. Good for Phil's brand Two two high profile names, two very talented PLO players. I mean, honestly, out of all the matchups, you know, jungle man's special, right? Like he's just one of those, like, uh, he's so watchable as a human. Yeah. And, but just like in terms of matchups, like I'm very interested cause I do feel like this dynamic's interesting. I feel like you're going to really, um, it'll be challenging and could, could go either way. So that's, uh, that'll be, that'll be very cool. Um, what other things, what other project, what other stuff are you excited about coming up? And when do you think live poker will come back? What's the over under for a series? Like, do you think November Bahamar for party poker? Like, like a live tournament series? Not yeah, just live cash games. Huh? You mean like not live cash games, like a live tournament series? Yeah, like, like, they, like a site, a major site or WSOP. Like when are we back? I don't know. Like, it's so tricky because even if the sites or organizations decide to have a series, like how many people are going to travel for them? Exactly. And you can't, so, there's no real data. You can't, you can sort of ask players, you can talk within, but like what, when it push comes to shove, yeah. Who's going to, yeah. Who's going to actually pony up and just make like, right now. There's a, a two, five game at the South point, like five, like 10 minutes from my house. You can sit 2K deep, I think, and it's probably the six-handed with five fish and a reg. Like, it's probably such a good game, but I just can't bring myself to go. Right. And it's uh, – yeah, it's it's just – it's a bizarre time. It's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, the, the sites currently are – are they're doing well. I mean, the numbers are up, but what, – Yeah, it's scary, like the pad stuff that he's brought up, I'm sure you're aware of. What's that? Um, Patrick Winard, uh, another party poker pro, oh, has talked about like sustainability. They're ruining the the economy, like the poker economy. It's like, yeah, it sure looks cool right now, but in six months when everyone's broke, <laughs> right? That so I guess that was sort of my take. What do you believe? I mean, these series, the WPT hundred mil, uh, the, the the WSOP. How intense are you going to go on that? How do you think those will do? Give me kind of your overall thoughts on those series. Um, for the WSOP.com series that starts today. Um, I'll probably one table those and work on Jupiter coaching stuff. So I'm really excited for that. Um, as far as traveling for the WPT and like other stuff, um, it's going to be like really interesting to see what happens just because I do think a lot of people will travel and play. Um, but it's one of the things when you bring these live brands to online is I don't think a lot of those players are going to realize how much tougher online is like a $3,500 online compared to a $3,500 WPT live is not the same tournament. It's like playing a 25 K and a 3,500 live. Wow. Like it is a huge difference. Interesting. I, I wouldn't think it's that big a disparity. I would maybe say to a 10 K, but they, yeah, it could be exaggerating for still, sure. It's still, that's a big difference. And, and it's a, uh, yeah, it's like it does. Yeah, just because you your local guy goes flicks in his local thirty five hundred when he's when it's happening and just goes online now and does it. He's gonna be. It's a rude awakening a bit with the the differences. And you're just also like you have a minus ten or fifteen or twenty percent ROI. You could still go deep in the tournament, but a lot of those players are gonna have like a minus sixty percent ROI online or minus forty percent ROI online, and they're probably you know their frequency in which they go deep is just so much lower. Right. Then again, I guess I would actually argue that a bit because I just think 
those guys will one table and they're going to be playing against people that are five, six tabling across three different sites. So I think it probably is a bit less in that regard, but um, it's one table battlers can, can give you trouble when you're not really focused on them for sure. Oh, yeah. Like they're, and they're just not, not even that they give you trouble. They could just play ABC and just, you, you just make bad error judgment or you're unaware but um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I, and then in terms of the economy, though, what would be your suggestion to sites? Then, like Patrick sort of laid it out. I think he's he's spot on in, in in a lot of that. I mean, I don't know if it's exactly like that, but it's true. You got guys like if people are net losers and they're they're upping everything, and it's like every series has major events. You know, it's it's hard because people will there will be people that get tapped out or stables or whatever. Like there's going to be games with uh, like private groups beginning of quarantine and there were people that like they'd come to vegas and they'd play once a week which is a lot of vegas trips to play once a week um and they would lose 20 grand on average maybe you know when they would come um but then they're playing online and and it's every single day and they're playing four tables instead of one and they're losing like 30k a session right like everyone just goes you know that's just the cash game equivalent and pads has kind of ran some of the math about the re-entries and stuff and i'm I'm a little less educated on that topic um but you can just see it happening the fields are tougher the fields are smaller the day after a big series they're missing every guarantee like just by a little bit but like you can just see that the landscape of, of poker is changing and you know, myself, like I hadn't done numbers in a while and I didn't realize how big of a tournament downswing I was on, which is kind of a product of just like having friends in poker and being like, Hey, can you send me money? Um, and then all of a sudden I had four people, 40 grand. And I'm like, Hmm, that ended up pretty quickly. That, that's interesting. You say that. Cause I also, I was playing on party a lot and I, I hit a good score at the, in the 5k, I got third on their big game million, but I, yeah, it was good. It was fun. It was like, I looked back and I was like, man, um, I'm like, Oh, this is how I'm doing overall. I was like, I thought I was up a lot. And I'm like, I'm really not up. I'm not up that much at this moment. And, and I was like, I didn't realize how many buy-ins I was in for. Cause like he plays one K saddies. If you reg late and then you have like a little negative variance, you're in for four bullets. Reg was only open for like 22 minutes and you're like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. The two K, the two K tournaments uh, up to two re-entries. It's like, it's like, like a look at like average days, like 20,000 in buy-ins on like, I was, like during my downswing, I was losing 20 to 40 K every single day for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's like, pretty, it's wild. So, you know, and I, I, uh, I'm excited about these series. I I really do want to focus. Like I, I'm telling myself, I'm just going to play one or two, like the 3200s, like the main event. Maybe maybe fire some other stuff. But like I just I just want to tone it down a bit and and have a shot. What do you think about the authenticity of a bracelet? Do you believe winning a WSOP or a WPT online? Do you think you should be on the trophy, get a bracelet, and, and call yourself a bracelet winner? Coming from one of the two people that have won a live and online bracelet, it's not the same. You so which online bracelet did you win? I won the 3200 high roller the first year they ran it two on, summers ago. On WSOP? Mm-hmm. Was it the first or Tom Cannoli won one? Was he before or after? I don't know. So the uh, mine was the second summer they ran online tournaments. And Nipun, also a CLC, ex-CLC guy, um, he won a live and online bracelet. Okay. Um, and then I already had a live bracelet, one and online. So it's two CLC guys that have the only two live and online bracelets. Um, interesting. So it is not, so you're saying, you're saying it's not the same. So like, would you have even said, I mean, like it could have been because it was my second that it just didn't feel as illustrious, but I don't know something about being at the Rio and being in the Thunderdome and winning a bracelet. Like 
it just kind of depends how you picture winning a bracelet in your head. Like for me, like my mental picture of winning a bracelet is like at the Rio in one of the cool rooms with your friends watching all around you. And don't get me wrong. Like when I won the, the online bracelet, it was pretty fun. Like three or four of us played in the same house and drank beers all day. And it was an incredible way to win 300 grand. But as far as like how I feel about winning that bracelet compared to the other one, it's not the same for me. That makes a lot of sense. And, but in terms of talent wise, and then to your point about maybe the equation of value and what a, a buy-in is and online, it's probably tougher, right? It's actually tougher to win most likely, or, or do you feel that's not true? Uh, field sizes are smaller, but yes. And so yes and no, just because field sizes are going to be so much smaller than like the live WSOP events. And how would you like, uh, let's, let's take WSOP Europe or the, 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 APAC, what do they call it without, you know, they have the Australia ones and then they had the ones in Europe. So would you, would you say like winning a WSOP bracelet for Europe or the Australia is sort of the same as online, or would you actually, where would you put that in the, the puzzle of, of, of a strength of bracelet winning? Mm, that's a good question. I, I mean, I do think that like, you know, the main events, obviously the biggest one, and then the other main tournaments at the Rio would be the second tier and then WSOP Europe and maybe online would be the third tier. But I think that it's all about your, like, that's just my personal opinion, mm-hmm. like that's my perception, which, you know, shapes my reality. So I, I think that for others, if, if winning a $500, 800-person online tournament and winning a bracelet that way, you know, is life-changing for them, that's awesome. Right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. We're in a bizarre. I mean, it's just bizarre. This is just unprecedented. It's hard to even really put into understanding or how it all works. It's it's just kind of uh, just kind of like going with the roll with the punches. Um, with your your workout regimen, I see. I did notice something. You're talking about you. You have some bets or a hundred k bet, ten exercises. Was this is this a while ago? Is this ongoing? What is this? Yeah, so it was supposed to happen last fall. And uh, I was approached in South Florida, actually, at the Seminole Hard Rock. Um, I was not being my best self. I was drinking and smoking and having fun playing a 1K. And there was, you know, a couple tables left. So it was in the back right corner, pretty far from the bathrooms. And I was late back from break and I was running back to the table. And I was just huffing and puffing, like so out of breath. It was, you know, embarrassing probably. Right. And like uh, this 60-year-old man at the table, 59 at the time, named Paul Dobbs, like, Chance, you're a little young to be this out of shape, don't you think? Oh, and uh, we laugh about it for a little while. He's like, I got an idea. Let's bet a hundred grand. You make a list of 10 exercises. I make a list of 10 exercises. We choose four off each other's list and we compete at the eight all in one day. And I I went from 29.5% body fat to like 16 or 15 in six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, got pretty shredded. And we both pushed back the competition date sometime last summer, um, once or twice due to small injuries. And then he actually had a very severe spinal injury. And so we, we called it off, which was our agreement. We didn't want to win due to injury. Which was, uh, you, was it related to him training or what he was doing or just sort yeah, of? Yeah, so he was like this triathlon older guy with the incredible work ethic and, you know, had worked out his entire life. And so, you know, I was using the age as my benefit, but I also wanted to make sure I didn't pick exercises that he had trained his whole life. Um, and so I picked like toes to bars race to 50 for time. Um, just like all kinds of very unique exercises that were difficult for him. Thrusters, sprinting, double unders, jump roping. And all of the things I chose hurt his spine. So we just, he would have been at too big of an advantage had we changed the events that he couldn't do. And I'd be at too big of a disadvantage if we did. So we just agreed. Fortunately, I won all my side bets, like, cause 
So I bet like a ton of poker players say, Hey, we'll work out this many times a week, get to this weight, you know, da, 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 da. But I did it with 20 people. So I'm just never going to pay $2,000 to miss a workout day. Right. But like everyone would randomly miss a day or a couple of the 20 people wouldn't make the weight. Like I got Johnson for 15 grand cause he didn't even try. And he's like, Hey, did you weigh in today? And I'm like, Oh, I forgot we had a side bet, but I'm I probably made it. And I went right. to, I went to get my body fat tested and I had like lost like four more percent or something. So I beat him on the side bet. So I went like 30 K in side bets before the actual bet got called off. And I regret to say that I've been pretty lazy for the last six months. That's, but you, you stay in good shape and you still work out somewhat. Look like you look and you look healthy. You look like you're, you're definitely not 30% body fat. No, no, but I'm definitely not 16 either. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> That is fair. Um, I mean, I was like shredded. I, I had a six pack my first time in my life, like without flexing, like I was in really good shape, but I not there anymore. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Moderation's good. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things you just don't want to let it go. We've all, I think most poker players have been guilty at some point and re uh, just kind of letting things ride. But uh, I, I would say overall the industry and just people are in general are, are healthier and it's definitely important. I would, I would, I would say so. I would imagine you do. I know I see Fox in always too when I'm on stops. He's in the gym. Kristen's in the gym. I mean, they they are what what a talk about a, a power couple and, and and ability. I mean, Kristen and him physically and mentally. Yeah, they are they are a dynamic duo. So they uh, Kristen was on my my podcast too, and you know I'm very impressed with. Uh, I'm just very impressed overall. I mean, she's she, she is it safe to say she's the most talented female player in the world right now? Is there even an argument? I don't know if anyone else is playing. The, the size buy-ins anymore. Like, is there any other women now? Self At the risk of stepping on, you know, toes and offending someone, I don't think so. But I'm also close to her in Foxen, so I'm going to be biased as well. But I can't even, can you, who else would you even put in the conversation right now? I can't think of anyone. Like, the one person that comes to mind, because she just came out with her book, would be Maria, obviously. Yeah, Maria Hall, true. Yeah, Maria, the Maria that just came out with the book. The It's like a huge thing on Twitter right now. She has like dirty blonde hair. I got to look at that. I didn't see it. Oh, it was like my my greatest bluff or something. It's the oh. thing. Book has a picture of a queen on it. That that but it's, okay. I, I, it's on her. This is. Come on, I'll get the name. You got to know this, Jeff. I'm on her Twitter right now. Which one, Maria, Maria Konnikova? Oh, Maria. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah. Uh, <laughs> ah. Uh, I thought you were talking about Ho. No, I mean she's she's a great poker player, but uh, she doesn't grind like chrissy does right right no i mean she, as I said, she's got unbelievable results and, and and she's definitely but she's not playing like the high rollers and mix it all the time and just, yeah i mean chrissy and foxen are out there battling every single day in every single tournament you know against each other against everyone like you know yeah, yeah. It, it's uh that's that's very oh the biggest bluff yeah that's the name of her book yeah it's uh for sure um okay well, and then what what uh what do you what would you say you attribute to your your success in poker? What is what is your super skill set? Uh, you know, reading ability, work ethic, studying. But like, what what to you do you think that has allowed you to progress and and come up to to be where you're at? Like, what, what is the what is your your secret superpower? Specifically in tournaments, um, it's aggression. Like winning pots without the top of your range is the key to going deep consistently in tournaments. And uh, I think that's like we were saying before, one of the areas that a lot of people are kind of held back by is that they're like, oh, the solver says I have to have this combo to three bet here. And I'm just like, this guy raised folds too much. So I'm just going to three bet him. 
And it's like the combo doesn't matter that much if the player's raise folding 75% of the time. If he has jack four suited from the hijack or, you know, jack, then he just can't continue with a high enough frequency. So it, you know, there's so many different things you can do to go deep consistently and uh, fighting for those pots and thinking outside the box and um, not being confined to what you think you have to do. And that was actually the biggest thing that I helped Foxen with um, is that he felt like the solvers say this, the theory says this, I can't call here because it's not a good bluff catcher. And one of the things that I tell them is, yes, you can, you can do whatever you want. Like you don't have to like, just cause the solver, like you're not playing against the solver. You're playing against this human and you can see him like the solver can't see this guy. Who cares if you have a bad bluff catcher, you know, he's bluffing. Right. And you know, so there was like so many really cool spots like that. And I think that that matters online as well. So that's definitely my favorite aspect. And, and which, if you can only play live or online poker moving forward, what would you choose? Which one do you prefer? Enjoyment or monetarily? They're not the same. Cool. Break it, break it all down. Give us the whole. Give we want it all. What are we? What are you tell me the differences. Um, like I am, I like people. So if I could only play one, I would choose live. Um, but if money was all that mattered, then I, my hourly is better online. How do you, you when you finish a session? How, what is your process of studying and reviewing hands? Do you tag them? Do you write it down? Do you remember like a specific spot and then you review specific hands? What is your way of evaluating your game? Um, when HUDs were more prominent, um, or I guess if I'm playing on ACR, um, I will mark them and review them later. Um, but I do that a lot less frequent, uh, frequently now than I used to, um, especially with less HUDs. So I'm kind of in a habit of screenshotting situations and uh, throwing them in the chip leader coaching group chat or having you know, a CLC guy run it for us in the solver. Um, but I think that's my current highest one because then it's like, I have a spot that I had a real question about, and now I have this incredible roster of chip leader coaching guys that are willing to give me their opinions on it. Um, so that has changed a lot. It's very, very interesting. What is, uh, what is your prediction for USA in poker? What do you believe will happen with, with legalization? So now we see Pennsylvania recently passed, Michigan recently passed. I think Stars is already operating in Pennsylvania. I think uh, Party Poker is going to follow. Uh, Nevada, I know there's stuff happening, and, and obviously there's WSOP there. Um, not a huge market in Nevada, which is interesting. Okay. You would think so because Nevada casinos poker, but you know, it's not really the case. Or people come in, but they're not coming. Yeah, people don't come to play online. <laughs> yeah, they're not coming to grind uh, online. New Jersey's a bit pretty big market, but things are happening. There's there's states that are putting on legal sports betting is legalized at a federal level. It's massive. Some things are going to piggyback. You see the COVID happen. I think that's also taxes are needed, revenues needed. Things are happening. Like it just it makes it seems like also these casinos that are kind of down, right? Like that aren't operating. Sheldon Adelson who's a big um, uh, you know he's anti. Uh, he's really caused maybe single-handedly or one of the people that really caused us to not go through. Yeah, but he's not just going to change his stance and lobby the other direction now because his casino is doing poorly, right? So, yeah. yes, I see all the logic for us needing online poker from a taxation perspective, especially. Um, everything just moves so slow. I would like to think eventually we're linked as a country and linked with the rest of the player pools. Um, but I don't see it happening anytime soon, but I'm also kind of removed from that topic now. I haven't really looked into it in quite some time. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's sort of, if you really look at it, it's been almost a decade since black Friday. It was 20. Yeah, I used to know a lot eight years ago about it. Yeah. It's like, it just seems like, you know, yeah, I, if you had bet then I would okay. say by 2020, it would be back and running like in the States. I think I, I had Mike Sexton on my last guest and he really touched on it and he believes 
his understanding is like full tilt. And that whole incident is really like what's hampering things. Like it's that particular stuff where the, you know, it was just, it was a big mess. Like how the money was done. It wasn't on file. You know, it's it just a bad taste. And he thinks that's like that more reason to regulate it though. Yeah, I know. But that, I mean, he's saying that exactly, but that's sort of his point that it was just, it should have been like, it was, it was done poorly. And there's sort of people are worried about that, but I guess, yeah, that makes sense too. You're right. If, if, uh, if it was done correctly, then you could avoid that and, and things would be done where you have to have the money and it's on file and, and whatnot. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. What is your, what's your breakdown of uh, sites that you play? Like what percentage, a hundred percent on a Sunday? What do you, what, what's your, what's your allocation of tables across the sites? Um, if I'm traveling abroad, um, I would say I play about two to three ACR tournaments, depending on their 600, 2,500, 1K things that they're doing. Um, and then it's a pretty even mix between GG and party, um, focusing on some of the bigger buy-in pillows and the bigger buy-in no limits. And then if I'm just in the States, I'll play a couple of WSOP events and a couple, you know, and then a full ACR schedule. Um, very, very, very interesting. And what, what do you believe about HUDs and the real names on party? What's your thought on the no, no HUD uh, rule that they've, they've done and it's that people are not using HUDs? Um, I've been playing uh, like online poker for so long and had a HUD for the vast, vast majority of that time that online poker to me in some ways was just like a, an interpretation of numbers in HUD situations. This guy raised first in from this position of X percentage, therefore you do this, his, you know? And so it was basically just a pure, every single spot was like, what's his raise first in from this position or plus or minus one. And then you take like a weighted average in your head. Cause like the HUD stats, it's like 12 of 20, you know, you know how the numbers are a little bit off. Yeah. Um, and so I would just kind of make these approximations um, and these quick calculations and then decide my three bidding range accordingly. But now it actually has forced me to really like study and play like the good, <clears throat> like the good situation, like the good poker spots. Um, and that's what I've gotten back to. And that's what I've had success doing. Very but I do wonder if like when it changed for, to, to real names or to names with no HUD on party, I wonder if that was when my downswing began because I didn't have notes on people. So it's like, if I note this guy incorrectly as aggressive and he's actually a knit and he's three betting me and I'm four bet shoving fours when I don't actually have fold equity, well, I'm just going to be losing infinite money. Right. So uh, that could be partially what was wrong. Um, and so like taking notes is just so, so important with no HUD. Right. Yeah. It's uh makes sense. And so you're currently, in this final table of the the ten k, so this is actually the last tournament you played. Then is that right, or did you play something afterward? I guess when was uh, this I table? played Bay One Hundred and One. Okay, and when when did you hear? Like when did you think COVID was going to be a thing? Like you were playing because like you played live. Was when the last time you went to a live casino had COVID already started spreading in the news? Yeah, was- I knew that I was being a little risky going to COVID or to Bay One Hundred and One. And if you recall, um, they actually made like a twelve-way ICM chop at COVID to end the tournament. No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, at Bay One Hundred and One. To end which one for the for the so Bay One Hundred and One? Craig Vernell got the WPT championship based on an ICM chop. Oh, it was a WPT like WPT chop, and he got 200k instead of 500. Look at look at like the I think it was Bay 101. Yeah, shooting star this year. Wow, I didn't hear that. I can't believe I, I missed that. That's very very uh, very. And like, that's that's kind of a weird scenario for me. So like I'm chip leader at my final table. There's players at my final table who are foreign passport holders, aren't in the country, and can't come back to play. Well, the time opportunity cost of money one, it's no interest. 
and two, like it's, you know, when things go down and like a situation like this, it's such a good time to invest, right? Like I wanted to invest all of that money in Bitcoin. It was like at 3000 when I final tables gardens, <laughs> you know, and like, wait, so th- th- I see the payouts at least. Uh, yeah. It looks like yeah, a bunch they of- chopped it 10 handed. It looks like to me. Um, so that was that, that was a, that was an agreement or was that, that was a forced thing. Cause probably like, that one of the remaining players had COVID and they all agreed. Oh, one did have it. I think that, I mean, could be wrong, but. Oh, like they got, they like tested everyone there and they were like, or they did a test or something. And then they said. I don't know if they had, they had tests in like, that was late February, right? Wow. So Very... I think like they, they were afraid that one or more of the players had it. So they all agreed to chop or something along those lines. Or maybe someone, yeah, maybe someone's coughing or had a little bit of symptoms or cold or whatever. That's uh, very, very interesting. I didn't, I mean, look at the names. Some of these guys, uh, Darren Elias in the mix right there. You got Kristen Bicknell, Anthony Zeno. Those are some of the WPT stables. Tyler Patterson, Kristen Bicknell, and Craig Varnell. Um, I mean, he's got to be, so he actually gets the trophy. He gets to be called a and entry to the tournament of champions. That is a crazy ruin. He must have been. I mean, if you're one of twelve, even with a pretty big lead, I think you you would. I don't know. What do you? What would you say? I mean, to get to actually be. Well, I've been really curious about this. Like I said, they have our money. I want to invest mm-hmm. it. So, like, I ran the ICM of my final table with the chip stacks, and not counting what we've already been paid, my expected value is about three fifty, and not counting skill edge. I think conservatively, I have a twenty percent over. ICM because the table's very recreational. Um, so I probably have 400 K in EV, which is a 300 K difference. But if like, obviously I wouldn't get that much on ICM if we all made a chop. So like some of the EV would be me being able to play the tournament of champions and have more money now to invest or do things with or play higher, like whatever it would be. Um, so it's, it's such a weird gray situation with that table pending. What would be your preference? If I mean, if they said right now you get the money, you get the thing, even with your skill advantages to lock up a tro like the WPD champion, get a large sum of money. Of course, you could run bad, even though really, like you're saying, yeah. WPD is think that, you know, from like since I am one of the faces of chip leader coaching, winning a WPT, even if it wouldn't be the way that I'd want to win it, it'd probably be better for me in the long run. But I really want to play and win, so. It's weird, like, how do you balance, like, wanting to, like, go to war at this final table on a public stage, which is something I, like, really do enjoy, um, versus having a WPD championship under my belt for the coaching resume. So, it's kind of tricky. Um, what is uh, what is your – what is what are they saying to you? What is the current update? Are they is – when was the tournament supposed to be played, the final at the HyperX? Four months ago today, I think. Four months ago? No way, maybe three months ago yesterday. It was supposed to be three thirty one, I think. So considering they did it at the Bay One O One, like why is that that must be a viable option. Oh, so Bay One O One wasn't a scheduled uh WPT TV final table. So they won't even allow us to chop because they're supposed to put it on TV. Um he, like we might have some one of the old guys at our table die of COVID while we're waiting. Yeah, that I mean that that's that's crazy. So how so what it what is uh um so when Bellagio tweeted that they could have six-handed tables, it was previously five in Nevada. And so I immediately emailed the WPT correspondent I'd been talking to. And I was like, hey, does that mean we can play? There's like six people are allowed at a poker table now. And they're like, oh, well, there's still a travel ban and players at your final table are foreign passport uh, holders and have returned home. So I don't know when they're going to be allowed back. 
But WPT won't allow us to chop it because they want it for TV coverage. So it's incredibly selfish on their part. Super, super interesting situation. I mean, again, I always wondered about this. I hate even saying it out loud, but I did like in the WSOP November 9 or in this scenario. I mean, this is actually like, forget, you know, crazy something like the COVID there's all the things and this is a real thing, right? Like it's not like 0%. It's there's never zero, like zero point. Like if something actually happened to someone, say they're on a respirator, they couldn't play or like they just weren't able to travel or like it's too risky. Who this goes on for a year at some point, like how do they actually do that then? I guess that would be the answer, right? They would have to just chop it. They can't, they can't blind someone out in the circumstances or say like we're doing the tournament come or not. Right. So then do I object? So that's what I'm saying. So like, what is the actual dead stack as chip leader, right? It's like it would be a hundred k in value to me having a dead stack at that final table. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's very wild. That, that's a, that's a, that's a, it's not even really. It's sort of unfair because yeah, if any player like I don't even. That's very very interesting. I'm trying to process it, but like, I say guess, he's in third place, do they give him his chip ICM value? Take it out of the prize pool, redo it, take his stack out if he dies, give it to his family. Like it's. Yeah. It's morbid to, to talk about, obviously, but it is one of the risks that can happen with what they're doing. And the fact that they're unwilling to consider an ICM chop because they have TV stuff in place is, is very unfair to the player, which is kind of who they're there to, here to serve. Yeah, it's really... Um... Like, I'm healthy, young, and don't need the money right now. It's not a big deal. But, like, I don't know the financial situation of everyone at the table but or even the other pending final tables, but there's a good chance that someone of those 18 people waiting needs this money. Um, yeah, it's, man, it's it, it's just too complicated. It's too much for me. To, I'm trying to process it, but that is uh, that's fascinating. I just completely missed this uh, scenario, and I missed the shooting star. I didn't hear about that. Uh, what did Chrissy say about it? Which, I mean, obviously, if it's just like one of those things, it's just nothing you can do. But, I mean, she probably – I don't think she's won a WPT. She's won bracelets um to for her like she must want to win right when you're 10 handed and at that level and you have that much like you're looking for the title so like yeah i haven't worked with her about it actually it's a good question yeah it's uh that, that is fascinating um all right let's uh let's dive in i just actually wanted before we dive in the questions you you had bought a house in vegas do you golf at all poorly that's poorly. this is a golfing injury how how uh what's what do you shoot oh uh, i've never broken 100 but i i'm starting to play a lot more i think i'll break 100 this year sometime Man, maybe we could do something fun. I, I also just started. I definitely don't break a hundred, but I'm I've I've like it's it's like poker, right? The, the doing some lessons and you can significantly improve quickly to get yeah. to sort of the whatever. And then obviously it gets to get to you know one. I have heard of the analogies, but once you get in like the nineties to get down to eighty, and then like to get seventy nine, it's super super hard to go like one or yeah. two strokes. But but to get from like yeah, one to of improvement, kind of. Yeah, one ten to ninety or something is uh, probably reasonable, but whatever. We could one ten to ninety is like pretty easy, so that's what I'm hoping to do this year. Yeah, but it's just like, like wow. Or I get an eight or a nine because a couple duffs or slices or whatever the heck it is, and yeah. uh, just gotta eliminate those with some consistency. And I think you'll, we'll both see the the strokes fall off. Yes, very very cool. Um, and something else that I thought was interesting, you talk about uh, articulation and working on talk speaking is, is there something to that you you wanted to is I, this was like notes i was given about um you, you say that you want to uh work on bettering yourself and, and talking about how to articulate he works on improving articulation repetition challenging yourself to speak better um is that is that true or i just got this given a note is there any is there any like work you've done with that or is that just kind of random um it feels random but i do have issues with articulating my thoughts sometimes um 
and it's often like responding too quickly and not really thinking about what I was going to say or something like that, like shooting from the hip. Must be from an, my, my dad sends me notes and he sent, there was a thing about he works on improving articulation, repetition, challenging yourself to speak better. There's a special poker vocabulary to be articulate. You need to be comfortable with it. Or maybe he's referencing in within poker, you know, like it's like almost a language, I guess, how you talk, right? Like three. Yeah, days. definitely. AI and our website, we have like a glossary page and like right. say Fox and writes an explanation and you're not familiar with one of the words he uses, well, it will be italicized um, all of like the glossary terms. And you can click on them and have a pop-up that explains the word to you. And uh, I do think that being able to converse with other poker players using the proper poker vocabulary is like imperative to getting better. Very cool. Well, we have, again, a $55 ticket courtesy of Party Poker we are going to be giving away. I do want to, we'll cover a few more things. I want to dive in at the end too and look a little more at the uh, CLC site. But let's let's take some questions because there are a lot. And I know you gave me eight hours, but let's let's see if we can maybe shoot for the two hour range. Eight hours is uh yeah, that sounds we good. Can cover it, but let's let's just let's get into some of the questions. Uh, so we've already spoken about Galfond. Um, go to them, who is the lead moderator on my channel. I don't know if you're familiar with Marco. It's everywhere. He asks a question. Ask Chance what his thoughts are on sociopaths and poker. If he thinks that they have an advantage in how he deals with people from a live poker perspective who seem to display sociopathic tendencies. Interesting question. Sociopathic. A person with a personality disorder manifesting itself in extreme antisocial attitudes and behavior and lack of confidence. Okay. I wanted to make sure I had the textbook definition before I responded. Hmm. Or take an iteration of the question. Take a different version. I mean, you don't have to answer it in that specific way. I guess maybe talk about um, kind of someone maybe I guess who what lies or someone who's just feel like he's decided. Do, do, do you is there a certain person like when you go to a table? I mean, is this is this in reference to like jungle man type of thing? I don't think so. Sociopath is like isn't sociopath someone that like lies? Uh, just like it says lack of conscience. Like maybe it could imply ghosting, but an extreme antisocial attitude. Well, I think like in general like having online poker, if you are introverted, um, is incredibly nice. And that's one of the things that you'll see with a lot of the super high stakes guys is, you know, there's some percentage of them that are very, very introverted people that don't like to talk to people. Mm -hmm. Um, so being able to have an avenue that you can be successful on while being antisocial is, is definitely fun. And as you mentioned, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not looking for controversy. I would say, this was a this is a hot topic. It's it came up. Bill Perkins came on Twitter, made some some pretty bold statements. You know, go listen. Ghost hey, Perkins came and clickbaited everyone and tried to get tons of people. It was it was very. He definitely had the the everyone on the edge of their seat. I mean, listen, it's not good what happened. Say a poker player ghosting someone is bigger than someone cheating on stream for like months on end. Is I don't know. It was very clickbaity to me. And then. Yeah. Tell what it was to draw attention. Bill, Bill's one of my best friends, jungle yeah. man. I'm close with. Um, I it's a it's an awkward situation. I mean, Bill's kind of wording an analogy, and in a way, like if if your wife sleeps with your best friend, that's on your best friend. If your wife sleeps with the mailman, that's on the uh, the wife. Kind of like deal, like kind of almost like say there's degrees of right and wrong, and he's like basically as a friendly environment, closed group, felt predatorial. And, you know, he was very hurt and got emotional about a moment. Now, a lot of people kind of took it as like, look, if you're playing online poker, there is uh, you have to accept the fact that there is a chance there's someone playing like this isn't like someone yeah. tells you this guy's a whale and he's playing really well. It's kind of obvious, right? 
So fair enough. So I just would say, I guess, what's your sort of overall take on, on that, on that issue? Cause I mean, you I'm sure you're aware of it. you know what it can happen. People sometimes in tournaments, they say stables or notorious or people try to finish some tournaments sometimes. And again, not the, not the fun, what we're trying to promote in poker is fun, clean, good people. And there is most of that. And then of course, I totally agree what happened was wrong. And it is yeah. kind of a, like a dirty little secret in poker that people ghost, you know, and it, it does suck. Um, Obviously, I'm biased because most people are, you know, that have a ghost are going to improve and it hurts my equity. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's very difficult. And even if, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't actually violate terms of service. Like, say you're ghosting me and I'm clicking technically, and I could be wrong about this. Can't you tell me every decision to make? It's complicated too because you get into like Twitch or video and whatever, but like, for the 99.7% of the population that aren't on camera or video or whatever, it's like, how are you enforcing it? So it's just kind of a, well, it's impossible. And like, if someone's like, say Petrangelo is at my house or Foxen's here and he tells me what to do. Well, that's technically not violating terms of service, even though it is like a dirty little secret, like it is kind of shady. Right. But like you have stables where nine of them play in the same, like in the same office on a Sunday. And then, like you said, certain people help close them out. And it is like really kind of unfortunate. Like one of the coolest aspects of a tournament is going deep and making a final table with a bunch of donks. Like that's so much fun. Right. And then all of a sudden, like three of those donks become pretty darn good reg, like a bad reg to a good reg or something like that. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's tricky. It's it's not again, it's not one of the fun or it's also one of the, I guess, kind of arguments if you're looking at the prestige or a thing about an online, there's that component of it where, you know, it's not really talked about not really maybe how what percent of it is done but yeah it's like a guy wins a bracelet and you know it's not it's just not as perfectly clean because there are there are avenues for some unethical or sort of uh, gray area things right that that's a possibility there's going to be out of all the bracelets all the wpt's handed is there going to be anyone that didn't play completely by themselves like you could bet a lot of money. That yeah. And I actually was aware of the club that Cena um, had jungle ghost on. Yeah, and I, I, know. I had like, a friend playing the club and asked me to help look at it and like to see if I thought everything was fine. And he told me who the players were. And I could actually, I told him that I thought Cena had a ghost watching one hour of play. So yeah. like, it's just so blatantly obvious. You tell me this guy's a whale, but he's, he's choosing third pot on the right texture. Come on. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also, that's sort of up to, that's why it gets complicated because when you're looking at game runners or people that organize games and stuff, you know, if there's reasonable doubt or you kind of, it doesn't, like you said, the guys that are are, game runners probably new and didn't care because if seen as a fish, everyone's playing more games, running more rake and he doesn't care who wins. He just wants the games to run. It's, it's very complicated. And that's to to my, you know, to me about the apostle scandal, which I wanted to ask you about as well, which is obviously in my mind, just so blatantly, of course, obvious, but it's like, you know, what blows my mind is seeing some of those hands. And like, even in the, I know some of the announcers, you know, or whatnot, whether well, or I've met him or whatever. It's like, if I saw one hour or 30 minutes or three, two of the thousand hands that happened. You just immediately know he's cheating. I would be like, what the hell? Like I would have commented. I would have talked to like the director. I would have, or whatever. I would have looked into it. I would have, I would have noticed it. Like when you have two pair on like the King eight, six deuce or whatever, like no flush, no straight possible. And you're like just pot controlling or calling or check folding or check calling or, you know, like, it's just like insane. Like he's just doing, it's just like spots where it was just like, impossible it would have been pretty easy to see it's not like i just feel like 
I've been cheated enough in poker to identify that type of stuff. And when someone does something uncharacteristic um, to their natural style, this is normally when you notice. Um, like Ben and I back in the day went and got cheated in some game. And like the guy came back from like doing drugs in the bathroom or some shit. And he was this massive nit. Yeah. And like Ben was in a hand and he was like, do you want me to call it? It was like 13 K pre and like two four or something. And this guy was a nit. And he was like, do you want me to call? Do you want me to call? And Ben was like, no. And it was like, I'm calling anyway. And he had like the A663 with nut hearts, which he would never put in $1,200 with nonetheless 13,000. And he just flopped a set. And like this type of thing happened many times where he tried to make it your idea, deviated from his normal play style. And they just always flopped the nuts. And I'm like, sure, man. Like, this is just so fucking obvious. And I actually, again, thought after session one that we were getting cheated, was convinced that we weren't, went back and lost my whole net worth after Black Friday that I had spun back up. You know, and so I've been victim to scandals like this before. Um, and it's probably one of the reasons that I am very skeptical and probably one of the reasons that I'm able to notice when I think it's happening. Right. But, yeah, it's uh, that, that's that's it sucks. You know, again, poker, there's so many good things, so much, so much positive stuff. And I'm sure you could would utter the same sentiment. You've met a lot of your closest friends or people in poker and great people and interesting people out of poker. Uh, and of course there's going to be some, anytime there's money, anytime there's stuff involved and there's some angles, people, the people are going to, there's going to be people that go for it and, and take, take yeah. it. And obviously the light gets shined on it. It's the best drama, the best click, you know? So it's, we just have to remember that it really isn't as common as it could appear. Right. Okay. Um, awesome. All right. How do you, okay. We, we already touched on this. I don't want to dive more in this. You, you kind of, you discussed earlier about how do you prepare for the challenge solver work or other Pros, you kind of talk about it. You, you are doing some studying. You do a little both. You look at spots. You, you do some heads up practice and talk about stuff. Um, yeah, I'm experimenting with vision, running a bunch of Monker Sims, playing a ton. Uh, how how do you overcome a big hit or a loss? Do you play more or nothing poker related? What do you do on a downswinger after like you bust 100K or a tournament or big, big, big bag? Not, something not, not poker. Not poker. Something to not think about poker. Fair enough. Um, do you still, with so many achievements, you've won bracelets, you've done, you may win a WPT, you may even just, you might be a WPT champion without even having to go back and play. Uh, <laughs> you, so what, um, is it still fun for you? Do you feel like it's a game where you just get to constantly learn and grow and evolve and it's just always fun? Or is there times you're like, all right, like I've played so much, I'm coaching, like, is it is it enjoyable to you at all times? Or do you feel like you've lost a bit of love for the game? Um, I still enjoy like the one-on-one coaching when I rarely do it now. Um, I still really enjoy building this artificial intelligence platform. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I don't have the love and desire to play cards as much as I used to. Um, But that goes in, that ebbs and flows, I would say, just like it does for everyone else. Um, But I still love the game and like running a sick bluff on someone and like, or, you know, running a sick bluff or an incredible value bet or making a great call, like, it's kind of like getting a par in golf when you're as, as bad as we are. You know, it's like it's those things that bring you back and really make you love the game. Uh, I agree. It's that's a great it's the the golf analogy about one shot. You could play a terrible round or day or two, and you just hit one like you cross your five iron, bend it around the trees on the thing, and you're just like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm back. But uh, yeah. it's, it's uh yeah, one sick call, one sick bluff, one sick get there. And poker poker really is the ultimate game of, of the skill and luck combination. Like you look at chess, you look at backgammon, and these other games are like even though poker is technically solved, I guess, or in ways, but still how you play your hand with a solver or not versus me versus Alex Foxen versus uh, the tourist on the road, you're going to play in the, and the stacks are always different and you're in different positions. So it's like 
it's just kind of unique in that way where it's like always uh, iterations different. It's just fun, right? Like it's, it's just, I love it. It's a great game. I know yeah. you love it. And I like the idea of it. it makes it so much fun. And that's one of the reasons that like, I don't, I'm not in love with the solver. Like what it tells you is because it just simplifies the game. Like if you're just looking at the solver output and doing it, like critically thinking and finding these cool spots to three bet from two big blinds to 4.5, like 4.5 big blinds, you know, it's like leveraging these short stacks in different ways that, um, yeah, the solver, if you put that option into the solver, it, it might give you a tree of things you want to do that way, but it's still assuming that your opponent responds perfectly. And like, that's the most fun aspect of the game is just assuming your opponent opponent is going to respond a certain way and then exploiting them afterwards. Um, I, I, that's that's so it's really well said i also wanted what, what's your dog's name by the way what what is what's going on give us the story on the dog we uh okay. one second, one second. uh that's ollie he is seven years old come here buddy he's just laying in the sun he just that's all he does taking it in yeah um what was i gonna say oh man i had a question we've had him we rescued him maybe five years ago when he was two very nice how uh yeah. What, what about traveling? What spots do you love? Like in terms of in the world, let's say poker stop that you just don't want to miss. And then also where do you like to go to just sort of go unwind? Um, my favorite poker stops is probably gotta be Southern, like South Florida. Like Emily and I lived there for a few years. So we have a ton of friends down there. Um, poker players and poker, you know, industry people. Um, and so it's always good to go down there and see everyone. We haven't seen the new guitar yet. So that's definitely one of my favorites. Um, playground is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montreal for those that don't know my two favorite spots and uh, that's the and then obviously Aussie Millions is one of the best stops so. oh, very cool. uh, what about vacations where do you like to go if you're just going to unwind for a week 10 days um, do you unwind do you ever let it do you ever kind of unwind or no oh yeah for sure yeah. Um, you know sometimes once or twice a year not this year because of COVID we would, like me and Emily and then the lambs would take a trip to uh, sorry Napa Valley uh, so that's one of our favorite spots. Uh, we have a nice family trip every year in Turks and Caicos. That's been a tradition for the last couple of years. Um, but like as a poker player, we're lucky. Like we can take a, a trip to a poker stop and then add a couple days on the end for a vacation. So I don't take as many pure vacation spots as I used to, um, because we have the ability to combine them with our work trips. Right. Um, there's this resort, um, in, in Mexico called Mayacoba. That's kind of directly south of vegas that we really enjoy that we go to sometimes okay that's 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 a good i haven't been there it's a good good to add to the, to the list i it's like in this like one complex when you go in yeah. and the, the main gate is like jurassic park <laughs> it's just so cool very nice uh if you had to choose hold'em or omaha i don't think i have to ask but we'll just i mean i have to say no limits since i'm <laughs> Oh wow! Okay. Well, okay. What's your What's your biggest cash game win and loss for 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 both Hold'em and PLO? Um, I lost 500k in one session before. This session was quite long, um, like spanned over two days or something, with no breaks. And then I've won some big numbers. Um, I've won like 200, 500, and a million in one session before. Um, the million was stiffed. The 500 was paid over a great amount of time. <laughs> and then the other ones I've had better success getting paid, but kind of with paying those. say again, a full million. Yeah. Wow. It, yeah. It turned out it was the game that I had gotten cheated in 
and then the game shifted and it was like being in my favor or something because the guy had a piece. It was like really sketchy and weird. So yeah, it definitely wasn't a spot to collect. Um, but then I won like a, I probably won a million down in Dallas, like just going and playing like the big cash games there. The, uh, so the, so is that public, like, is that, that person been outed? Has there been an, I'm not even, I don't even want to know, honestly, I don't want to, I'm not looking to, I don't want to know on the thing, but is that, was it like a scandal? Did it, other people have problems? Was this like anything done about it or did it? Just- yeah, yeah. I mean, it was handled and everyone was made aware of what was going on. Well, okay. Well, that's sweep things under a rug. <laughs> when I get All right, yeah, I'm not trying to, I don't want to, it's controversy and pain, not looking to, to do um, the, I guess that's one of the hard things about poker though. You have to win and you have to get paid, you know, like the Doyle Brunson. Yeah, it's like the risk, like I'm playing this like big private cash game where my hourly is through the roof. Right. But you run the risk of not getting paid. And like, there's been a few times where like the guy's stuck and just wants to keep playing. And there's a couple of us left at the night. Of course I'm going to keep playing. Right. Like the stacks are deeper and your hourly just goes exponential as these private cash games continue to play. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've made the mistake in certain situations of continuing to play until they lose a number they don't want to pay and make sure that if you're fleecing someone, you're not cheering them all the way. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, uh, it's tricky. You know, it's a, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of things you have to be aware of and, and understand and, and what the risks you take in some of the games or people, it's really important. If you have a good home game or a good group, you know, you, you got to, uh, you got to be pretty sure, because like you say, you don't want to free roll yourself. You don't want to be in a spot where, the, your upside's there, but you, you, you're not going to likely get paid. And if you happen to lose or get cheated, you do pay. And it's, 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 yeah. tricky. it's a, it's a tricky deal. Um, uh, so let's see what, uh, so what got you into poker other than I guess your family played and you liked it. Did you, was there a moment though? Like when you actually turned from like your family games to you saw moneymaker win, was there anything that sort of like, oh, I want to try this or I'm going to do this or a friend played and he was doing well. So my actual professional start or making money at it and not, not family games. My dad was playing on poker room back in the day, hmm. was losing, you know, $300 a week or something, some, not very much. Um, and my brother and I were like, what the heck? We took his account over one day, um, summer. I think I was a freshman in college or he was a freshman in college. I'm a year younger. And, uh, we kind of just took my dad's account and I don't know if you recall, did you play on poker room? I remember. Yeah. They had a bunch of skins. I, I know exactly. you and your brother, we shared a bank roll. Um, we could have the lobby open at the same time. Right. So uh, he would be grinding no limit cash and I would be grinding PLO cash. And we were, you know, building up this bankroll and we just gave my dad the money that he lost back and took over the account. And uh, it was really fun, though, because like he'd be like, oh, I have aces on table two or whatever. And so I could go to his no limit table and double click it and it would close on his screen and I would steal his aces. <laughs> it was so much fun. Wow. I remember that. I remember that software. That was back. Yeah, it was like 2006 or I think they shut. Maybe they went down with the uh, can't remember. There were some issues on that network. Um but uh, yeah, that, I do remember those games were pretty good for a while. Uh, yeah. What about uh, online full tilt when that went down or any ultimate bet? Do you have any money tied up? or? or yeah, I had like just shy of 200K on UB. Um, I had 90K on full tilt and I had like 35K on, on stars and then like 50K cash. So I got the stars money right away, but then I had a tor- terrible World Series and didn't get the rest of the money for a long time and relocated to Mexico after Black Friday with a horse stayed in Rosarito. We didn't have much money um, and won a scoop and made a hundred or two in cash and spun it back up. Got it back. And did you write that money off? Were you considering selling it on the dollar? Did you kind of think it was coming back? How did, what was your, um, 
I looked at selling it for 30 cents on the dollar because obviously like the opportunity cost of having 60 K right then when I didn't really have any money, was seems like it might've been a good idea. And then the market kind of fell off and all of a sudden you could get like, cause remember Ike sold it for 30 cents and then everything kind of dropped off after that. Um, 20 cents, 15 cents, 10 cents. And I was just like, fuck this, this isn't worth it. Um, and then one day people said we were going to get paid and I was like, no way. Like this is like Christmas. And it was like already my best month ever. Um, and then I got like a bonus 200,000. So it was pretty insane. It's a great feeling. Yeah. I had money on full tilt, not much. And UB, they paid UB, I think too. I think I had really nothing on there and I got, maybe I, you had to like do something or go back. I can't remember if I even ended up taking it or. I had, I had 180 or 175 on there, but then remember how Black Friday closed, but we still had money on the site. Yeah. So I was playing 2550 heads up, no limit and just like beating people. <laughs> And so when I actually got the money, I had a little interest that I had earned. Extra out there. Very yeah. nice. Uh, which bracelet is more satisfying to you? The first one. The PLO, yeah. That was uh, five, 5K and uh, yeah, there it is. Somewhere <laughs> there it is. Um, what's the most underrated live tell? I don't know if I want to say. You can't say. All right. Underrated. underrated. What is that? You say overrated or underrated? Underrated. All right. I'm not going to give specific tells because Fox and I are in the next year going to make a live tells product. Um, but I will give you guys the biggest hint to getting better at live tells and developing your own tells uh, is baselining your opponent, seeing what they do when they're strong and weak, and then knowing that it's very unlikely that that is balanced. Um, my favorite source of information for live tells was actually the lie to me series, which is very unique. Um, they say a ton of stuff in it that's like totally bogus and not true about like live tells and physical reads. Um, but there's so much stuff in it. Like he talks about baselining and how important it is because people always are like, oh, you can just look at him and know. It's like, no, I've been paying attention for four hours. That's how I know he didn't have anything. And so baselining your opponents in every action, like the bets, the checks, the every single thing um, is, is the key to live tells right. without giving away too much. I like it. Uh, someone asked you have a dog. We see that right there. Um, we see wife's, wife's home, so he wants nothing to do with me anymore. He's happy. Now. He's he's content over there. Uh, what's the most prestigious tournament? We did. I did see you cash the fifty k as well. I was looking here. Um, and, and you've you you do you do dabble in the mixed games other than just PLO? Then I wouldn't say that. That it was the fifty k no limit last summer. Ah, okay. Yeah, I haven't. I've like the players championship sounds like incredibly fun, but I'm gonna need a lot more money and a lot more mixed game skills to just waste fifty thousand. What, what's your next best game, really, or next best two or three that you would like besides No Limit and PLO? Or are you just is it just at that point? Whatever. Good luck. I really like rock paper scissors. RPS. That's not <laughs> harder than you think. I think the, there's some. Oh, we. Probably played thousands of games of rock paper scissors. First, the person have actually. You played, you, the, have you ever played the coin yeah. game, or they might be called something else? The coin game where you you hold like one, two, or three, or zero, or no, yeah, one, or yeah, one, two, three, or zero in your hand, and then you hold it out, and there's like up to seven people, and then you have to guess the number of uh, total thing is. Like it, it's it's a really fun game. You'll have to teach me that one at the next live stop. It's super super sick. Like I remember one WSOP like McLean Carr. Um, Begley and Max, we were playing it like every day. Like we, it was how we'd settle settle bills and everything. It's uh, it was very intense, but there's there's definitely skill there. Um, Do you still talk to McLean? 
Yeah, I actually he called me the other day and I was in the middle of saying I need to call him back. But I, I not a, not as much as I'd like, but we do keep in touch. I think he moved I back. I to touch with him, but I like really, really like the guy. We speak pretty good friends. And that was like my main him. poker poker core growing, you know, for a while when like Begley and McLean and Waxman we were we were traveling back then. I mean, those are those are uh, I was at I was with them when the Black Friday hit. I remember I just remember McLean. It was so crazy. I remember losing in like a full t- – he, he was on the sickest heater too for a while. Like he won the F-tops for like – we were at the same thing. We were like 20 left, 25 left. I got it in aces to ace-jack and lost a sick one for a decent pot um, and, and busted in like 20th. I had a decent swap with McLean, and he just like got in queen-king to ace-king, ripped it, won it, and then like just – he got an ace-10 to aces and won and like just won the tournament. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sitting there on the couch, and like I, we had a swap, and I was happy, but I was like, man, like really – like I'm like, how does that happen? I remember exactly. Better straight, like needly. <laughs> but like, in the, it's just, there's something about confidence. I want to ask you too about that. Like you, that 2016 run you went on. You see the Dan Coleman, Fedor Holtz, Justin Bonomo, uh, these type of runs in poker where people are just ignited. Like they just can't lose. They just everything you do. And I talked to Dan about it. Talked to other people too, and they say something about it when you're when you're winning, when you're playing well in your tournament. Like Joe McKeon must get this a lot too, especially when he's on the circuit all the time and deep. Alex Foxen, people. <laughs> Just like man, this guy's trusting yourself. It's like you're in this heater, and like you've been making so many right decisions, and then you look at the spot where your opponent shoves, and like you have the best hand to call, but you just know that he like, and you're supposed to call from a GTO perspective, but then you make this hero fold because you know the guy doesn't have enough bluffs here. Like yeah. that's that's the trust when you're on a heater that you can actually like deviate from a, a big river spot where it's like, oh, I have the top of my range. I have to call. That's not true. Like being able to trust yourself and fold in those spots. If you truly believe your opponent doesn't have a bluffing range, that's what it takes. It's, it's really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's funny on Twitch too. And I get crushed sometimes. I had a guy lick his shoe, like eat his shoe and send a video in because of a spot where like I bet folded the river and the guy, people were like lose their mind. And then I knew it was Dario San Martino. And I said like, yo, send me this, just, just do me a favor. It wasn't like a critical point of tournament, but it was, it was for an all in and a 10 K poker masters. And like, I just, whatever I folded, I bet, bet folded a straight on a paired board. Um, you know, and, and maybe a flush even on the rib backdoor flash flush hit, but yeah. I lied and got shoved. And then he was just people were going nuts, you know. And that's a problem with Twitch too, because like they see my cards, they don't see the other cards, and I'm just gonna have to like hear about this shit sometimes. So like I end up folding. Dario sends me, and he had the nut flush or whatever. And like this guy said, I'll eat because he said in the chat, I'll eat my shoe if that was a good fold. Yeah, and he did it in son of YouTube yes. video. We have a command for shoe on the Twitch channel now. But like sometimes you gotta check the chat pros. You gotta keep them in check every once in a while. You can't let them just run amok on 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 your show. So you know, it, but the point is, uh to that point, sometimes it's like, oh well, it's like almost too crazy to fold or not bet here. But then you just like do it and and you because of that, like you're saying, if you really believe that like this is just for whatever reason, you, as you know, you know, you know, and maybe once in a blue moon, you're wrong and it's just terrible. But like, ultimately, if you just believe like that, that's, uh, that's what you're saying. I probably could get away with a lot, right? Like uh, certain guys are just never going to fold to me when uh, in spots, you know, in the right scenario. So mm-hmm. yeah, we could, we could talk about that more. Um, all right. Uh, so who taught you to play? Did self learn friends, just kind of any books, any, any early study uh, sites that you use? Um, I was totally self-learned uh, for the first year or two. Um, and then I'm trying to think of the name, Doc. Remember Blue Fire and Card Runners? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Deuces Cracked. That was the one. So my first real like training was Deuces Cracked and I would watch Vanessa Selps teach me how to play PLO. And, uh, you know, later became friends with her and got to talk a lot of strategy with her. Um, kind of actually during the McLean car time in late 2011. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I was like taking it seriously and making money at it, but I wasn't really working on my game until a couple years after playing. And then you kind of realize that you spend 10 hours. Let me close the door real quick. You spend 10 hours studying and then a hundred hours playing. And then that hundred hours is like playing for 130 hours because you're making 30% more money. Right. Um, and so it was just so important. And yeah, so self-taught, but I already learned the games and like, remember back in the day you'd watch ESPN and all the WSOP events and every single hand would have the percentages at different streets. Yeah. That was like how I kind of learned. Yep. And just like pattern recognition has always been a very strong skill of mine. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like good at live tells kind of naturally. Um, and like being able to see that like, this is working, he's making chips by doing this. And like, you just kind of start recognizing patterns. And that's especially like, that's all it was back in the day for me. It was like, you could see that when people bet big, they had good hands and like, you could just min raise pre and see bet on the flop and win a ton of pots and just kind of realizing those, those patterns in the game early on before actually having a fundamentally sound like baseline for my game was definitely helped. Makes sense. What is your biggest inspiration? What, what gets you kind of motivated? You got your clean trophy case, you know, you, you take care of yourself, you're, you're doing a program. What is it that inspires you to, to create and grow and learn? And, and what, what is that for you? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I think it's the drive of financial security for Emily and I and future family and stuff like that. Um, and just like we are in this new house now and still need some furniture and a couple rooms and our backyard is still dirt and we have plans to, to do that. And so saving up a bunch of money for a backyard and, you know, other investments for future financial security or rental properties or, you know, it's tricky now because it's more about like growing like now I actually just kind of want to like grow CLC and make it the best company that it can be. Um, and I think that like, that's kind of one of the things with different successful people is they go in like waves of what they're working on. And that's definitely what I'm, what I'm dri- driving on right now. How, how do you focus? How do you, how do you, how do you not dive? Like, do you know, you got, okay, that helps. That's nice. I could probably get I have mindfulness reminders and I've actually studied mindfulness and mental game with my personal coaches and the optimizing mind course, like making that course was very helpful. I did the $10,000 Tommy Angelo package back in the day. Like I've spent probably like 40 to $50,000 on coaching, uh, you know, and not like all the subscriptions I've had over the years, all the one-on-one coaching I've purchased, you know, and the solver work, you know, is pretty expensive to rent servers and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I've studied a ton and worked on my mental, like the mental game is actually extremely underrated, like, as you know, from working with Elliot. Yeah. Um, but I think that a lot of poker players don't realize that they're not playing their A game um, that frequently. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's also like in PLO, I think to your point, like cash games, things I noticed fundamentally people play decently well. Like even guys that are not winning players or like their businessmen or whatever, they know you're, they're not supposed to play five, six, nine, ten one suit or two suits. Yeah. Like, like like under the gun, but you're stuck some buy-ins you've been drinking. You don't really care that much. The game's small, maybe for your thing. And you just start doing those. And and that's one of the things in PLO I noticed. And I I talk with some of my friends. It's like, I see the hands and things are doing and they know like at at their age, it's insanely high. What's that? 
the tilt equity and PLO oh, is insanely high. I, it's it's really amazing. People are like bipolar split personality. And like, yeah. if you, especially in the apps. Losing players in PLO is like night and day. Dude, on the apps where it shows the in-game session results, like if someone's like in the red at all, like they just, you know, guys like don't want to book losses and they just like, it shows it and they go for it. And like, it's crazy. And it really is. And it's just like people's A games versus their B and C. It's the same in tournaments, but maybe differ, different than, than cash games. And it's, it's, yeah. uh, magnified in a cash game and in a setting where you can do it really quickly and not just so, like have you been on the zoom calls with the private groups so like this guy's been winning all day he uh loses a pot he's down like a half a buy-in but he's been up all day and then you're like oh new player c5 yeah oh yeah and, yeah, and everyone knows it yeah because he's yeah. so tested, you know like it's it's equity and PLO is it's, very fun. It's crazy, and it's like that's what I'm saying. Even if you're a good player, you can't really overcome certain things. Like you can't overcome playing deuce, deuce, three, four, double suited for like under the gun opening and calling three and four bets. Like you just even when you hit your hand, you can't. You know, like multi way pots. Like these are things that just it's it's just funny because like guys like kind of know it fundamentally, but it's just out the door. Like they're just like, all right, what this isn't uh, right, I'm gonna do it. And like, drinking, and they're just turn their brain off and they're like, I got four cards. Let's see the flop. You know, yeah, we can't the pot and see the flop. I got four. Yes. It's uh, it's, it's for sure. Uh, true. Uh, you played in one of the most entertaining final tables of all time is the question at the 25 K high roller EPT Dublin with Charlie Carell and Mustafa Kinnett. I was actually there That's a good one. at that. What was that like to play? And those are some personalities and interesting players who pride themselves live, I think as well on reads and, and just sort of interesting individual so what, what was that tournament like you took that down i believe uh I, dublin i got second in i think um but charlie and mustafa are just uh you know great guys um you know friends of mine that whenever we are in the same city and see each other it's you know very friendly and fun thank you boo. um and like that one was awesome i made like one of the biggest probably monetary mistakes i've ever made in one hand at that final table um and i like got lucky <laughs> so i mean it was like pretty fun yeah those both been podcast guests for the record. So yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Great guys, very, very fun and interesting way of approaching life in poker. Um, you know, we got a good, we got a, we crashed the two hour mark. We have bathroom breaks. We've got shit. We got food coming in. We're, we're tearing through here. We're getting close guys. It's not too late for you to get a question in and be eligible for the 55, uh, dollar ticket on party poker. We're, we're winding down here. We got some more questions. Get them in while you can favorite tournament series. What is that? whatever that means to you. WSOP. Why? Is just because of the the sort of uh, the history, the the it like summer camp where you have the higher hourly and you have all year and all your friends are in town. Like it's just it's candyland for poker players, you know. Um, I see people. Look at that. You're on the. You're even answering the questions. When are you starting? You're in there. You're you're mixing it up. Um, how do you prepare yourself for the final table? What's your strategy for super aggressive players uh, during late stages? Like, and you would consider yourself an aggressive style, but of course you adapt. You're able to shift quickly. If you feel like that's the play, your image, I would say is, is known as more aggressive, willing to take chances, but you can capitalize on that too. Right. Uh, is it fair to say that's one of the more important skills in poker to know how you're perceived yeah. in a given moment, not just in general, I think chances aggressive, but how is he playing today versus this lineup in this situation? And it's not always just pedal, pedal, four bed jam. You know, there's, there's spots where you're going to, like you said, you're going to make hero folds. You're going to, fold when you know you have to call if you have a psycho on your left sometimes the easiest adjustment to make is just to wait till you have a hand you can four bet shove with because their three bet frequency is going to be so high yes the um the frequency in which you wins you win hands goes way down so it can be difficult and even harder to stomach but you make so many more chips when you have good hands it makes up for it um you know the other option is like 
say the guy's immediately on your left. So you know that like your cutoff and hijack, he's going to three bet you a ton, right? But maybe he won't be three betting you when you're in early position. So you're actually wider from under the gun and plus one than you are from the cutoff, you know? And so it's like, there's so many like intricate adjustments and that's like, kind of what I say when I say that, like just knowing the solver output of like, I'm supposed to open 24% of hands in this position, blah, blah, blah. That's not the answer. You have to look at the button, the big blind, the small blind, their your perceived three bet frequencies, the stage you're at in the tournament. And like, you need to critically think about every situation. And that's the biggest problem that I see with everyone right now is they're like, oh, well, I have ace five suited. I'm supposed to raise this hand. And it's like, you're losing probably a half a big blind with this raise because the big blind folds zero percent or like, you know, the guy behind you is going to three bet shove too high of a frequency, you know? And so there's so many spots where like the solver output isn't the answer, like critical thinking is. And would you, you're saying you just open fold or you maybe limp that hand or, or you would. Yeah. I mean, or you just like, if you're going to min raise fold it, then you're just going to lose. You have to like raise and four bet shove or not open. Otherwise you're going to lose, you know, or it's so hard to say when we're just kind of giving a theoretical abstract example, but. Right. What about what about that same example where you know in a spot where you're four or five handed and you have a pretty good hand and it's blind on blind, you know it's a call. Like this happened to me recently with Fedor. You might have even seen the hand. There were some people, I don't know, tweeting about it, talking about whatever. I made a pretty – I mean, I knew the book says call. Uh, I, I took a fold. But like in a spot where you know the exact calling range and you decide, well, similar or in those spots, are you just taking the EV almost always or it depends how small? Like you think the other field is softer or maybe just your seat? Well, that's, that's where it would like matter. So like I went deep in an ACR tournament recently and I actually won the you know thousand person tournament or whatever. Um, but there is a spot where I jammed the cutoff in the effective st- with sixes and the effective stack was deep. Like it was like 14, 18 and 28 big points. Um, and it wasn't like, I think it was making chips. Um, but I'm like, wasn't in love with it, even though I got the, like the shove through and I took a picture of it, showed it to Fox and, you know, in the group chat or whatever. And he was like, well, like, yeah, you're making more chips there than if you're raising, like raising, but you need to edge pass. Like, you need to take the lower plus chip EV because if you like your stack is worth so much in this tournament equity, like right now that you shouldn't be taking the maximum plus chip EV spot. You need to be preserving your stack. And like I kind of knew that was the answer. And that's one of the reasons I sent a picture of like the shove. Cause I was like, this didn't feel right. Like I can tell this is probably bad. So, but if you're in a tournament with Fedor probably shouldn't be edge passing. I doubt you're playing like a one Oh nine. No, it was a five K like five handed or something. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it. Right. Fair enough. It's yeah, it's uh it's that's that's interesting. And on that, so who's in the group chat? What you it's uh do you have so you have a stuff for chip leader coaching, then you sort of like a friends or a group that you just guys just pour anytime there's something interesting, you basically just dump a hand in and someone uh, funds or the group chat that I talk poker in is primarily the chip leader coaching coaches chat. Um and then like my other group chats with friends it's more just making fun of people's tweets and stuff. It doesn't really have too much poker strategy. Right. Well, that's fun too. Um, it, that's, uh, it's, that's it's, what it's, that's made for, right? Yeah. You got to have some fun. Uh, what's your favorite hand in PLO besides, I mean, so give me a, I have a, give me a, what? I have a, I have a preset answer already. All right. What is it? Nine, 10, Jack, Queen, double seated. Okay. That's yeah. That's a, that's the equivalent of what Jack Penn suited. When I, was, when I was like eight or nine tabling in college, PLO one, two, uh, I looked at my poker tracker one day and that was the hand I had made the most money with. And I had just won a bunch of like two to 500 big blind pots. And after that, I noticed a bunch of other wins with it. And so I think that's probably my favorite one. 
makes sense, right? It makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, what the biggest, what's the biggest mistake you see people make in PLO cash games? I mean, they don't understand. Yeah, I think I got an answer for that. It's their stack off ranges and how they change based upon the SPR that's remaining. Like it used to be like super extreme where like some guy would three bet aces to, you know, 11 big blinds and then they'd put in 90 big blinds. Um, and that was the extreme version, but not understanding the SPR and how the stack off ranges change um, mm -hmm. based on board texture and SPR and number of players in the pot. Right. Um, it definitely is incredibly dynamic. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, I think that's also fun. What I find in PLO cash, especially in sort of softer games is, is being multi-way and just really understanding, you know, you start getting to calibrate your ranges, even without doing too much solver work on it, just kind of understanding what you need and what kind of over, you have overpair at the backup or not, if it's three-way, if you're four-way, what hands you're betting, what hands you're checking back and just seeing you know, how willing people are to kind of get it in light. It's, it's, it's interesting, like to understand how much stronger of a, of a range you need in spots and, and how it, how it really affects. Well, I mean, four cards is a lot. You got four extra cards you're against in a spot where someone's calling a raised preflop. Like, you know, you got to have a pretty good hand to, yeah. uh, to go with it. Like for, for a decent amount of blinds. Um, so I, I love it. PLO is definitely, definitely a very intricate game. Also tournament PLO seems to be getting a little more popular. They said it, they introduced it. It's super interesting. Yeah. I've been doing it. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's good. I'm looking forward to that WPT 3500 um, on Party Poker. I believe it's for uh, one of the five main ones. I'm not sure if you get your name on the trophy for the the main event winners or whatever, but it's uh, I think it they do. Do you know when it is? Yeah, it's. Uh, I hope so. I'm, that's my. That's look at. I mean, that's that's right there. Party Poker. We we are. It's July, I believe, 17th until September 8th. So it's a nice, healthy series. But they're yeah, doing you like. You gotta move that logo over a little bit. Yeah, but you know, it's just just a little. Every once in a while, I give a little scroll. <laughs> in your face. Yeah, we uh, gotta have uh, product placement. So yeah, man, we're we're gonna give away that ticket here. Not too late to ask your question. We're gonna do a couple more, and then we're gonna roll for the fifty-five. Um, what is? Uh, oh, someone asked, "What's your favorite country and why?" Let's take the U.S. out of it, assuming that it's the U.S. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. So, what is your favorite? Country? Enough to not pick the U.S. What do you got? Give me your favorite. Um, I mean, I think I would just choose Australia. And you, you have lived there or no? Oh, to live? No, I've just gone for a month, three different times. Uh, that's, that's a nice stint. That's a nice, nice bit. And where, where do you see, how many kids would you like uh, family-wise? If you were going to, you said you mentioned a future family, that's something that would be of interest to you. What, what would be your dream? If you could just pick a button and you get to just forget all like the work, is that how many kids would you like to have? Mm, our plan will be to start with one One's and evaluate if we want another. I'd be very surprised if Emily and I are a three-kid couple, um, but there's a chance we're a two-kid couple. We definitely want at least one, maybe two, probably not three. Makes that's that all checks out. That sounds like logical sound logic. It's yeah, like, what if this first one? Like, what if we have a first one and it's just a terror? Something as well you know like my wife's a twin it, it happens twin I, I, the stat on twins is surprisingly high and i again well that's because of fertility drugs nowadays right it makes sense but it's like three percent or something like one in 33 which seems ridiculous but uh um, i'd be so scared to get pregnant for the first time and have twins and be like holy shit i only signed up for one 
It's, 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 I mean, I know someone from college that had triplets and it just buried them. I mean, it was just like, it was literally impossible. Like imagine like you're ready to be a father and you just have three, like, come on, like what, talk about chip leader coaching or uh poker plan. Like, what are you, where are you going? You are, you are locked in on a, on a, on a deal. There. So that sounds fun too. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's serious business. All right. Well, chance I'm, is there anything you want to touch on? Do you want to know before we do give away this, this, this 55, which I will show quickly here. Still give you guys a chance to get in. Let me just take a look here and do this. So we'll copy this. Yeah, throw that you... uh, chip leader AI landing page. So that, yeah, so... We're right here. So is this is this uh, is there something else to show, or you got Fox and you got your The URL, maybe I should tweet it or something. This one, uh, let me see right here. Socrates.com/slash/clai. What, and what is that name about, Socrates? What's so that? Socrates is the artificial intelligence platform that we partnered with. So they helped us build this landing page. Um, but the product itself will be Chip Leader AI. How long is this trailer? Is this a trailer? Yeah, let's watch it. It's pretty short. It's like 45 seconds. The volume, it might be too loud here. Hold on. It starts off loud, or like it's once we start talking. Nope, I can't hear it. It's loud for me. Oh, okay. You can't hear? Mm -hmm. All right, well, just enjoy. I can hear. I think they can hear. Good. And that's right there. It's not what the platform actually looks like. That's like gen, like our beta graphics. Here? Yeah. That looks a lot nicer now than it used okay. to. But so, so this is, yeah, that's pretty cool. So it gives you, it's giving you hand spots and you get to visually see and talk things through. I mean, is it actually, are you, are you putting in hand histories from online tournaments you guys have played? Like, what do you? Yeah. So picture like a lightning bolt. So you know how a lightning bolt comes down and then splits into a number of pieces. Mm -hmm. So we actually went in order um, and you can start anywhere in this order as you want. So like, if you're going to learn from the very basics, you need to learn what beats what then you need to learn something like this, but like, let's do like the hand history examples to make it more obvious. Well, first you need to start with raise first in. Well, the next thing you would need to learn would be how to call a, an open in position and out of position. Um, well, once you learn raise first in, that also opens up the tree for three betting and it opens up like all these different paths. And so as you, when you open these different paths, it, it actually starts feeding you questions from the topics that you've unlocked. And then as you master new topics, it will unlock further down the path. So consider we have about 80 or 90 different topics. Each topic has between 20 and 40 questions in it. And each, each one has an explanation written by Foxen. Very, very cool. Um, that's, that's interesting. I, that, I mean, damn, that sounds pretty powerful. Like, I definitely... the, like what the solver output is, but actually tells you how to apply it and why it's relevant instead of just like, oh, well, you're supposed to fold here. You're supposed to raise here, go all in here. Like that doesn't, knowing that doesn't matter if you don't know why. Right. Yeah. Like some of, there's like two or three poker players that come to mind who play high stakes um, and they make the right answer most of the time, I would say. But if you ask them their opinion, like to, to critically think about a poker hand, I don't think they could even spell poker. Right. And they're phenomenal poker players, like, and they're fine, but that's because the spots that they get are regular enough. If you put them in unique spots, they don't have an ability to even think about how to approach it. Very, very interesting. Have you heard of a site? Have you heard about Check the Side? I want to talk to you about this after. Why? Yeah, I was approached by them. They, uh, I think it's interesting. Have you? Are you? Have you spoken with them? Hmm? Uh, about a year ago. Yeah. So 
I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to show you real quick because so I I actually just invested recently. So did uh, Pav um, and a few others are looking at some really uh, respected people in the industry and using it. I, I've I saw this too about a year ago and I was like, all right, it's interesting. I didn't really didn't really go into it much. And then I recently um, followed up with it and got into it. And it's, it's a it's a, I think actually it could be a good fit. And we'll we'll do we'll look. uh We'll look at it later, but I'm just kind of curious at your feedback on it. But essentially, the way they have a nice replayer, custom logo, you can show what you do, right? So you get to actually they they give you a rank. So like you could put up your tournament history, then I watch it, and then it shows what I they ask me what I would do, and then the the uh, so that they actually like replay it, and then it's like all right, here's what you think you should do, and then it gives you what. Um, I actually did. And I was thinking there could be even another version where, you know, even like, what's the right answer? Like, and maybe it could go, and I think that's something they want to put in, right? Like what a solver would say. So like, you could actually have three different things, but I just feel like it's a really interesting way of yeah. reviewing. Like, let's just say I do something wrong. Uh, let's just say I went all in, you know, like, so I say this and then they tell you, no, it's not what you did. And then it'll show you, um, you know, you can, you can see what, what really happened. Okay. And then they, and and then so like I, I just feel like it's a very cool tool and it's mm -hmm. customizable and then you can actually yeah I played around on it a little bit yeah so we'll talk we'll talk about it. I think it could be cool for for uh, for what you guys are doing as well maybe I have some sort hey, of the hand that you just showed so you raised ace for like queens and got a caller in position caller out of position right. um, so like for us that would go in single raise pots as the razor multi way and that's its own category as is single raise pots in position single raise pots out of position. Right. So like if you are unable to master it, like, so that's single raised pots and there's three different categories. Um, but then there's single raised pots as the caller with all three different categories. And so like each one is its own topic cluster for chip leader AI. Right. And if you aren't able to complete, like, and there's 30 or 40 questions on that exact topic and you have to get a high enough percentage of them correct in order to move on to the next one. So you'll have five to 10 topics unlocked at a time and you'll progress through the tree as you go. It, and I just, just why poker again, it's so fascinating because this is like this hand's so different. If one other guy calls, if it's the big blind that calls, if it's the button that calls, what position is calling, what the stacks are. Because like even here, you know, you look at how many big blinds uh, you have, which and then you know, just like let's just take this hand for example, and, and the, the different ways you could play or the sizings, it's just like you know, it's just crazy, right? Like, and what what is what's optimal, and it matters if whether it's a jack five six with two clubs, if it's one club, if it's monotone. You know, the sizings and the checking and what you would want to be doing, then also how you balance your range and all that. And it's like, you know, how I do it. You probably are. You, you probably play the hand differently, or you know, do you want to go for a check like raise? The solver, like the solver might say that two thirds is optimal here, but that's because you only give the solver one third, half, and two thirds, so it shows those sizes. So, like, that's the that's like why people think that these certain things about the solver is like, Oh, well, it says this is best. Well, it said this is best because that's the output you gave it. Right. So you're not, like, you're not actually choosing from all the available options because you only gave the solver three, three parts. Right. Of and then you can make your variation and sort of know, or just have like a general idea what's close. Yeah. To good, like, but, I've been using 15% on the river for the last month and having incredible success with it. But I didn't find that in a solver. I found that by talking to someone and thinking outside the box. Right. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Um, very, very cool. Well, anyway, I'm not trying to plug it. I, I invest in it. I think it's cool. I, I'm also just curious because I think that functionality. I like it a lot. 
of how you do it. I just feel like it's, uh, it's very, it's cool to see, but I think that third part would even be more interesting than to see what does the solver say? And can you plug that in or can you have uh, you know, or not even that you could even then let's say chance, I give you this tournament history and I let you go through and review it. And now you put in what your play is. So you have a specific person or a solver. So you could even add in that, that element and that, you know, I don't know. I just feel like that would be, really really cool uh to do so anyway i don't want to i just we can play sometime yeah we'll 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 definitely we can chat about it um all right well chance on there he is on instagram (laughs) this is i think the 10 year the 10 year picture is pretty wild i think that was cool you're saying like playing like a 500 or 1k or something there and then you're in the 50k 10 years later at the wsop uh we got you on twitter uh, as well as your website. And I need to get set up, man. I need to get, I need to get in more ingrained with a chip leader coach. And I would definitely love to, to dive in with that, that group. You, Alex. We'll have, we'll have soon for uh, chip leader AI. If you want to test it out with us. Yeah, please put me on the list and, definitely. and uh, let's, let's do it. So let's go ahead and anything else you want to close with? I'm going to, I, I copied this already. We're going to do a $55 retweet. Anything else you want to say? Any closing statements, any positive positivity in the world? Anything you want, close this out before we uh, we do this giveaway. Yeah, I mean, just to stay safe and wear your masks. Don't be a dumbass. <laughs> you know, like you're not helping yourself, you're helping others. Um, but yeah, check out clai.withsocrates.com. I'll tweet a link uh, this week. And, uh, you know, sign up if you want to be notified when we actually bring the product to market. I think it's going to be a big thing. Very cool, man. All right, well, Chance, this has been a pleasure. I'm going to let you tell me when to draw someone's going 55 courtesy of party poker and chance today and chip leader coaching and myself gonna go ahead and tell me when ready set go boom so that is rolling and someone by of, i don't think i've this is not a repeat winner i always feel like there's people that have cheat codes on these things because repeat winners sometimes win it seems hard uh heisenberg heisenberg interesting uh spelling there and looks That's like he's a fan of uh Breaking Bad, and he has got himself a fifty-five dollar uh, ticket. So um, that's pretty cool. So that's not a repeat winner. He's got a chance. Maybe spins it up, does the dream, and we will go ahead and ride off into the sunset. We'll hopefully get to do it again. I would love to do more content, more interaction, and again check in more often. So uh, chance, really do appreciate. It. Best of luck in the upcoming series. I know it's going to be a big, big six weeks or so coming up here pretty soon. So rest up. Good luck, and thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Chance. All right, guys, that's Chance Coinet. This will be up on all the podcast outlets. You can watch the replay, of course, on YouTube, and we will be back for another podcast tomorrow, 12 p.m., I think also Friday. So we're going to start knocking them down, and uh, we will we will uh, keep it going. And, and, again, we'll check out Chip Leader Coaching. And I've said this before. I really believe in it. I know these guys. I know they're successful. I know they know what they're talking about. There's a lot of coaching options out there. You know, I'm with Raise Your Edge. There's, there's Upswing. There's numerous other courses. There's a lot of different information. People learn in different ways. You know, I think it, you can't go wrong when you, you work with some of the best or talk to some of the best players in the world and probably doing slightly different than other people. And, you know, then you get to actually see stuff that overlaps, matches up. And you also get to get some new ideas and, and things. So I, I, uh, I'm a big believer in, in doing more. I'm not just saying I'm only going to use one coaching. And it's if you have the time and you're able to do it, chance reference doing 10 hours of studying what that could do for your win rate, just how he kind of quantifies it. It's pretty powerful. If you really think about it, you're talking about spend a hundred dollars, $500, $1,000. If you're playing 200s, 100s, 500s, even a 55 or $22 tournaments, what you could do with that's how many buy-ins is that? 
That's that's like nothing. It makes it so trivial. Uh, and, and if you get good content information, it's it's really not a, a big expense on whatever you're doing. It just kind of a no brainer and that's my opinion and i will back that four table and bus three start studying when you have one table you know yes very 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 true so all right guys we're gonna we're sign off thank you so much we'll be back soon and i hope you enjoyed it and we really appreciate chance's time and we'll see him on a table nearby and good luck a chance in the wpt or congratulations on being a w champion if they just end the tournament whatever it is good luck enjoy that money enjoy the score and i'll see you soon man thank you my pleasure Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.